Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and on this fine Saturday morning, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How are you doing over there, man? You've had a rough week. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really interesting week. Um, it started out, I mean, pretty normal. Just we got the pandemic going on. I'm alone in my house going crazy. And then like midway through the week, we get like some ominous emails. And it was basically like, hey, we're doing mandatory or not mandatory, voluntary uh, retirements. And I don't qualify because I'm not that old. Um, not yet. And then there's like, what? I said not yet. Yeah, give me a few mm-hmm. like months. This job is aging me quickly. Yeah, it's like dog um, ears. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm technically like 45 at this point for mm-hmm. the amount of time I've been there. Um, and then they're like, oh yeah, hey, so we have a meeting at 12 o'clock. We want to talk. There was like an article on our main homepage to our company and it was basically, Hey, you guys are getting furloughed for two weeks. So I was like, Oh, cool. I'm glad we, we saw that on the article. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be off for two weeks and I'm not too disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, no, I (laughs) think this honestly came all things considered at the best time for both you and Lauren. I think you guys were kind of at the end of your ropes in terms of just the number of hours you were working, but I think also there's a difference between number of hours worked, but also just the stress of what you're actually doing. And I think you guys carry mountains every day and you have to make very difficult decisions just based on the nature of your job. So it's just compounded exponentially um, on top of probably not sleeping well, the whole nine and, and you yeah. know COVID-19 too. That's that's a thing that's causing you know stress and anxiety for the both of you, I can imagine. So uh, yeah, I think Lauren, I'm I'm kind of glad that she has two weeks off because it also kind of comes at a good time with her her master's program where she's actually, uh, she has a final tomorrow, final exam, and then she has two weeks off of that. So she really has two weeks to quite literally do absolutely nothing but just relax, recharge, play video games, paint, sketch, whatever hobbies that she had to put down because of, you know, life, work, real life things. She can now kind of prioritize mm-hmm. that, and I think you should do the same. I think it's it's good stuff. No, I was excited. We had a uh, a meeting. Uh, it was like a one on one to like go over open items because like our office is the only one in our total our entire organization that's going to have people besides like Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, my boss, was like, "Hey, are you doing all right? Like, how are you feeling about this?" And I'm like, "I am pumped." <laughs> and she's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I'm excited for this two weeks." Um. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff that we handle and like because of all this stuff, it's like I think Monday or two or it was Monday. I got off the weekend and uh, I think Rick was here last weekend. He was. Yeah, so yeah. We didn't record because Rick was here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was dad's birthday. But um, it was Monday. I got into work, looked at my email and it was like, hey, all of your uh, suppliers on your desk are financially distressed now. And I was like, cool. And then I got fired or furloughed. And I was like, I, I could use two weeks 
to just video game. Uh, I'm going to work on my Tron painting mm-hmm. and re- start reading. It's going to be a good time. No, and I you still work. You're going to still work, right? I am. Yeah. So that's, you know, Lauren and I are fortunate enough where we didn't have all of our eggs in one basket where we were both at your employer. We, we work at different places. We do completely different things. So I'm thankful that uh, I'm still employed. I'm still getting paid every two weeks. Um, and so even if I was laid off, like fortunately, Lauren and I are very blessed to be financially in a good place as you are as well. Uh, and your father was impacted yeah. by this as well because you guys all work at the same place. Uh, and, and, and we you have and all of our eggs in one bed. <laughs> you do. You really do. And, and yeah. But thankfully, your parents are in a good place too. So even though you guys are impacted, it's not to a point where you're at your knees. Um, but I know a lot of people out no. there you know, are being impacted directly by COVID with the, the, disease, the disease itself or as it relates to your employment. So our condolences go out to everyone that has been affected by COVID, again, directly or indirectly with your job. And Ryan and I wanted to get together today to record a fun, chill, relaxed episode. Ryan and I, since we haven't seen each other really in two weeks, uh, we want to just get together and talk about the games we've been playing, how we're coping amidst a chaotic world. And we also want to do something kind of special. I know there's there's only so much we can do to give back and help those that are struggling and have been directly impacted by this virus. And so Ryan and I were kind of talking back and forth the other night, texting, what could we possibly do to incentivize the listeners to help us help others? And so what we thought of is for every email that we got, we would give $5 to Feeding America. I also understand that we have international listeners that tune into the show you know, every week and my thoughts go out to everyone all over the world. Ryan and I wanted to just do a very, very small part in giving back to those we can. And that's why we've decided to give $5 for every email we got to Feeding America. We hope it's just, again, small little drop in a large pond. And we listeners came in strong. We got a lot of emails this week. I feel incredibly nice. fortunate to, again, do a little to help, hopefully a lot. And so that's what we decided to do. We really don't have a strict agenda today. Again, talking about the games we've been playing, Ryan and I have some movies and TV recommendations to help uh, for those that are at home, just to help pass the time in a healthy way. Uh, so yeah, we have a fun show pa- uh, planned today, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it should be good times, and so I want to thank everyone for, for writing into the show. We'll get to more details around that, the donations and all that good stuff at the tail end of the show, but... I thought, Ryan, we'd just kind of kick it off with uh, the games you've been playing the past couple weeks and uh, what's been keeping you busy. Uh, so Pokemon Ruby. No, I'm just kidding. Jeez. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want, I actually haven't played it since Animal Crossing came out, but I, I will probably, I don't know, maybe this, I have two weeks off, so I might shiny hunt a bit, but um, I, I've been playing Animal Crossing, obviously. I think I was ahead 150 hours last time. I am currently at like 215 and I'm trying to slow it down (laughs) Um, because actually that's going to fail as well this upcoming week. But what I've been trying to do now is just like my daily get fossils Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've been doing turnips. So last week was my first week of doing turnips. Um, It's terrifying. I put 700k into turnips, which fills up. I think it was two full rooms, my upstairs and then my back room. Wow. Just the entire room was full. I think it was like 80 actual items of uh, turnips. And I spent 700K in there. And then there is actually a tracker 
Um, let me pull it up. I think it's AC dash turnup.com. Yeah, okay. AC dash turnup.com. And what it is, is you enter in your buying price. Um, I bought them on Rick's world because he was over. Um, so I bought it at like 93. My world was set to 109 though. And then I enter in Mondays, AM and PM. And you just slowly enter in your week and it'll track when it's projected to have the highest return. Okay. Based off of data mining, I'm guessing. So it was Thursday AM was when I was supposed to get the highest. So I bought it for 93 and I sold them for 586. Whoa. Which is a hell of a return. Um, in total, it was about 4.5 million. That's is insane. what I sold everything for. Um, so I made a bit of profit, 3.8 mil. Um, I invested some into paying off my house. And then I'm going to invest everything this week into turnips, like close to five mil. Holy crap. So it'll be a good time. Yeah, Do so I've been clearing all the trees outside and all the houses in front of my house, and I'm just going to have a turnip field. Oh my god! I want to see if there is a because, like in I think it was New Leaf, if you put money into your little ATM, you get rewards for having a specific amount. And I haven't had anything like that happen so far. Um, but I want to see if there's a reward for getting a billion dollars. Okay. So that is my long-term end goal: is to see if I can get a billion dollars. Um, but if you think if if it's a multiplier of I mean, it's not gonna. I'm not gonna get like close to 600 every week, um, but I sec tupled my money. Mm -hmm. um, so if I put in 30k or 30 mil, which literally my entire town will be turnips, then that times six, I'm doing all right. 180 mil. I don't even try to understand your brain anymore. I just kind of let you things happen. It's, yeah. it's really, it's painful. But I, I'm just curious if there's what the max amount is and if I can do that. So that's kind of what I've been doing. You are always one to have go a bigger go home, Ryan. I, I, yeah, to my own detriment, really. Mm -hmm. And then um, Rick was over. We played a lot of Animal Crossing and he is a bad influence. We are supposed to be in Florida this week. Well, let's, let's, um, let's uh, press pause on that real quick because just to make the listeners aware, he's largely responsible with Ben, of course, for you getting back into RuneScape, uh, playing Monster <laughs> Hunter World, your shiny collecting. Uh, Ruby version. Yeah. Yeah, shiny collecting. Did I say RuneScape already? I think I did. And then what about Galaxy of Heroes? He's the one who got you into that too, right? No, I got him into that one. Oh, okay. So you kind of like... I got him into Minecraft. He got me into, I can't look at Pokemon the same way because of like competitive EV IV training. Mm -hmm. That was Rick's fault. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah, he's. We've been bad influences on each other. As long as it's mutually, you know, performed here. <laughs> mutually mutual... detrimental to each other's lives. It's yeah. Great. All right. So that's what bad friends influence. are for. Back, he was uh chilling with you this past weekend. What'd you guys do? Yes. So we were supposed to be in Florida. Um, we were going to visit Ben, who had moved down there, but because of everything, we had to postpone. Um, so we got uh, some credit in Spirit Airlines for flights for another year. Um, but he just came up on Friday or Thursday evening and we just video game the entire weekend for like three days straight. 
Nice. And that's probably why I have 215 hours of Animal Crossing. I mean, I wouldn't put but, it past you. You would have probably spent those hours playing Animal Crossing, regardless of Rick's presence or not. Let's be honest. Bro. Yeah, but like now he made me, uh, he didn't make me. Um, he was like, dude, yeah. So like I'm thinking because we didn't spend the $400, $500 we would have spent in Florida. We have that as profit. We should go to Walmart and get video games. <laughs> oh, so, man. Uh, I'm like, I, I can't argue with that logic. It's pretty solid. Like, we would have been out of that money anyway. Anything less than $500 is technically savings. Yeah, your bank so account's like, not going to miss that. Yeah, so um, we went to Walmart, and he was talking about The Witcher, because we, we were watching that on Netflix a little bit, and mm -hmm. uh, I got The Witcher for Switch. Nice. And I played, I don't know, maybe seven, eight hours of that one day. Does it run and like then, ass on the Switch? It, it's not the same graphically, obviously, as the PS4. Yeah. I think it runs at 720 instead of 1080. Okay. Yeah. Uh, P. Which is not bad. I mean, it's on the Switch, and it runs pretty well for being on the Switch. It's just the detail is not always there. I mean, regardless, can we just appreciate the fact that you can play games like Skyrim and The Witcher 3 on a Nintendo console and a portable <laughs> one at that? I mean, that's yeah, unprecedented. Yeah. It's amazing. I was really shocked that it's running as well as it did. Nice. Um, and then docked, it looks good. I mean, they, I looked at a side-by-side -side of that versus the PS4, and it, I mean, you can tell, but it's still on the Switch, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking um, a graphical hit playing Skyrim on the Switch, but like when I take long road trips or going on vacation, whatever it is. Or to go to the bathroom, like you still have it at your fingertips. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could just, yeah, if it's, I'm playing Skyrim docked, I can take it to the bathroom and sit on the toilet for a couple hours, you know, whatever I have to do. I mean, that, that's why you put a TV in your bathroom. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and then like a day later, he was like, yeah, so there's like this RPG that I, I really love. It's my favorite game on the Switch. And I'm like, oh, what game is that? And he's like, oh, Octopath. And I'm like, I originally, I love the graphical style of it, but I didn't want it because I thought it was basically like you choose one of eight characters and then you're stuck with that character and then you have to start a whole nother save to play the other character's storyline. And I'm like... That is extremely overwhelming to me that I have, like, you limit yourself to one character when you have eight other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it stresses me out that I'm like, did I choose the right character? What am I doing? And that's totally not how it's set up. And that's kind of what he explained to me. And I was like, okay, so put your shoes on. We're going to Walmart <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, we're going to get this game. And it was the same guy that we had bought The Witcher from and, like, he was trying to sell us. So he's like, hey, I mean, like, if you're going to get other games, I'm here to help. <laughs> like, try to push us to buy more games. And then we said, hey. Um, I know his entire backstory now because we spent so many hours buying games. But, uh, yeah, the Octopath. I've been playing that, and that's taken me out of Animal Crossing. Which <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure which game it would be, but Octopath is the shit. Nice. What do you like about it? Yes. Yeah, so uh, everything. So okay. if you, you have Next. Um, music. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We're done with that conversation. All yeah. right. Thanks for tuning in to this yeah. episode. Yeah, we uh, appreciate it. No, so we can we can play the music. The music is amazing, and I generally don't 
tell on i don't pay attention to soundtracks it's more atmospheric Mm -hmm. but like walking through these areas with this extremely happy music it's just amazing and the variety of it i mean the overall soundtrack on that video was like four hours Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny because you had texted me earlier in the week when i was working that like you, one, you were playing this game. Uh, well, I actually saw you online playing it. I'm like, whoa, you got this game? You got that game? And you're like, yeah, I kind of just <laughs> splurged a yeah. bit. And uh, it's yeah. funny because you said one day while you were working, hey, you need to listen to the Octopath Traveler soundtrack. It's phenomenal. And I was like, okay. So I looked for the soundtrack on YouTube, found the four-hour uh, full soundtrack online. So I just clicked into it. And the main theme was a song I had heard before because I listened to so many music compilations, typically like video game, relaxing video game music for studying or just Nintendo music compilations. And half the time I'm so busy working, it's just in the background. So like while I hear the melody, I'm not clicking in to see what song is playing or what game it's from, but I'd recognize this song because it was a part of one of these playlists that I listened to. So this is the main theme that kind of kicks off. I'm assuming it's it's interwoven throughout the course of the entire game, but uh, it's phenomenal. So I'm going to Go ahead and play that now. such a happy song <laughs> really is it's excellent it's it's and that's why i love rpgs so much and that's why i'm glad you found a game where you understand now why i pay such close attention to music in games because for like when you listen to this soundtrack 10 12 years from now you're going to remember exactly when you were playing it during this insane pandemic of covid19 and you're going to remember exactly yeah. where you were when you bought it and when you played it first. You know, that's that's what music does in video games. And I love that. So I'm glad you found that in a game. It's good stuff. Yeah. And I, I've been listening to it at work and it's probably not the best idea because now it just it makes me want to play it while I was working. Um, and the variety between all the different areas. Um, I actually I made one save and uh, there's eight different characters and you pick one character that you like and you start that person's story and there's like to each story there's four different chapters um so like once you finish chapter one you're open to the entire map and then you can go to other towns and meet the other seven characters that you didn't choose okay and have them come along with you if you like so you go through their chapter one with whatever characters you already have on your team and you can recruit all eight characters and go through all of their stories. That's awesome. Which is awesome. It doesn't limit you at all whether you complete them or not. Um, What's the... Um, I'm looking like, up on how long to okay. beat for this. I think it was 102 for full completion. Oh, wow. So, yeah, as a completionist, 102. But around 60 hours if you're just doing base game. <laughs> yeah, and... So I made one save and I played 20 hours of it and I did my typical let's run around and exp- open up every area of the map. Let's grind out some high gear and like go grind. And then so like what do you the first uh, play or the first character you pick that chapter one is level five and every character you add to your team adds like two levels to the base like floor of the game. 
So like character two was seven, character okay. three was nine, and then 11 for the fourth. Um, so I got my four characters, and then chapter two starts at like mid-20s, um, like 22 to 27-ish. Um, I was level 40. Oh my gosh. With like end game gear that I had ground out and like I gotten from chest when I was exploring high level areas. And I'm like, I don't want to steamroll this game because I could like I could one shot bosses um, for like chapter two stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. So I ended up starting over and I still have that save, but I'm trying to like I ran around the map a little bit and got like a weapon or two. Um, but I went and just beat chapter two of my main guy, Ulbrick. He's just like this. He used to be like a Kingsguard kind of guy. And then he's on this quest because someone killed his king mm-hmm. and he's trying to understand like their motives and stuff. So I just beat his chapter two this morning and it recommended like 27 and I beat it at like 20. So I'm trying to like beat all my characters level two and just keep going through. So I'm not ruining the experience. So it's challenging still. Okay, so question for you. So you might have already said this. I was kind of looking at screenshots and stuff of the game. So of the characters in your party that you recruit, these are one of the eight primary characters. Is that correct? These aren't just like random NPCs yeah. that you're recruiting? Okay. No, no, no. So you you can get all of the eight characters. In your party. So, so then is it only one, like, I don't know, the character you designate as a primary leader, is that the character's story you're you're running through or are you simultaneously running through potentially four character stories you can run through eight if you want so like in your main party you have four characters mm-hmm. um and then you can swap out whatever characters you want except for that main guy that you chose at the beginning until after you beat his chapter four like once you complete him i'm pretty sure you can swap him out of your party but until you beat his character i think he's stuck in your party but the other three can rotate out with the other people who are on the sidelines. Okay. Like and then you just ha- go to a bar and say, hey, I want to change my party. And then you can rotate those gotcha. four into your party. How do you manage quests? Is that like some kind of like little, you press start and you have a bunch of side quests and main quests or how does that work? Yeah. So like if you open up your map, you're going to see uh, where all the other eight characters are located. Like they're in specific towns. Um, and then once you complete their chapter one and you get them on your team, um, their quest where you have to go changes so Mm -hmm. their little icon or face moves to the second town that you need to go to to help complete their storyline okay so you you have markers on where you need to go to complete whichever characters either get the characters or complete their current chapter okay it's really user-friendly um and then graphically it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. it's like a 16-bit style uh, like final fantasy 6 i think is what uh happy console gamer was saying it was based off of or that style Mm -hmm. yeah Um, i I just like the classic kind of retro look to it and with the happy music like was it dragon quest 11 the music wasn't anywhere close to this game well so the Um, problem with the ps4's version of dragon quest when it initially released is it wasn't the orchestral soundtrack that we're used to with dragon quest that's why the definitive version to play for Eleven is the Switch game, which is why I'm waiting for Lauren to finish it, because I, not only do I want to replay like, to hear the orchestral soundtrack as it originally was intended to be, but you can also, I don't know if it's like the click of a button or if you have to go to a church to configure it or how you do it, but you can yeah. switch the 3D graphics of today to go back to the old school bird's eye view 16-bit style of the Super Famicom Super Nintendo days. 
um, of the uh, original like, few. So similar to what uh, Octopath is. Exactly, yeah. So they, they kind of built the game to look at two different ways, which I really appreciate. Let's see, Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, what is it? Retro look? Yeah, I don't know what they... What the they actual term or what they called it, but it looks beautiful um, that way. I mean, b- both ways, I suppose. But just to have that orchestral soundtrack is really what I want. Oh, gosh, I like that way better. Yeah. That top-down. Yep. Yeah, so. it was just a weird style. I mean, I beat it, but um, I, I really love how beautiful this game is. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth picking up. Well, yeah, so I last think you night... you really like it, and it's pretty simple. Um, so, you, like, the, you have different classes, and mm-hmm. what's really cool is usually you want kind of the typical RPG of, like, you want a, a physical damage dealer, which is either Ulbrick that night guy that I chose or this girl named Hanit who can basically poke them like capture monsters and use them like Pokemon. Oh, nice. So she's pretty cool. Um, and then you got like a mage person. So you kind of have two options, um, for each class. And then what you can also get is you go into like, you find different caves and then you can give people jobs, which is like a second class. Mm. So like if I want, uh, let's. What's a good example? So, like, there's this girl named Tressa, who is a merchant. And say I don't want Tressa on my team, it would be a mistake. But say I don't want her on my team, but I still want a merchant who can basically like give points to people to help them do more powerful attacks or steal money from people. I can get that job of a merchant and put it on someone else. Nice. So there's, like, if I want to make my um, Ulbrick, the warrior guy, a battle mage, I can technically make him a cleric as well as a second job instead of like the cleric main character. So he can be like a battle mage kind of build and you can build out these characters that suit your team better. Okay, nice. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting it. I Last night you were kind of egging me on, you were sending me eBay links and I'm like, calm down, all right? I'll, I'll do my own eBay shopping. And <laughs> you're better at it. You do it way more often than I do. Yeah. So I was kind of bouncing around, seeing if there were any auctions. And there was one bidding for $21. And it also had make an offer, which I always love uh, trying to get in there and make an offer before it gets bid up too high. And there were still six days in the auction. So I figured the person, for two reasons, was not going to accept my offer. One, they'd only sold 12 things previously on eBay. Uh, but they had perfect ratings, so I wasn't worried about getting uh, snubbed on a bad deal. But I, he had $4.90 shipping, so I was like, okay, I'm going to offer you $37.10 so I can get the game for $42, because it was like new mint condition, but it was still used. So since I wasn't buying a new yeah. copy, I wasn't expecting to pay 50 to 60 bucks, And I thought 42 was perfectly reasonable. He got back to me within like two minutes and declined the offer. Didn't even counter offer. And I'm like, okay, this guy's an eBay noob. He's not going to take my offer. So I was just like, forget this. Scroll down a bit and I found a copy for $44.99, I think, shipped. Um, Like new condition, had been previously played, but again, everything was intact. So I was like, you know what? I'll bite the bullet. Got it for $45. And it should be here, I think, later this week. But I also have... A laundry list of games I'm playing right now. So it'll be a while until I get to it. And I'm not sure if Lauren will play it or not right away, just because she's trying to finish Dragon Quest XI right now. 
Yeah, I saw her on that. And she is, I think, about 40 to 50 hours into that. And that takes around, you know better than I would, probably around 80 hours to finish, I think. Yeah, I don't. So it's broken into thirds, and you don't need a complete, like the last third is kind of um, bonus after mm-hmm. like the main story. It's like the true ending if you want to spend another 30 hours. Um, so I think it was like 80 hours is what I put into it. Yeah, so she's probably nearing the end of it, uh, at least the second third, if you will. Um, okay. But yeah, because there's like one main event that you know, like, oh, the first half of the main game is definitely done. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if she's gone through that event. And then, yeah, you just have to. All I know is that she has in. to she has to collect like three things of light on separate areas of the map or something like that. So. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, so she collected all she collected all the orbs and then went to the tree, right? I have no idea. You'll have to get God, that is so. Podcast. That sounds so JRPG. Yeah. <laughs> she collected the orbs and then went to a tree, and then like now she's collecting balls of light. Yeah, <laughs> it's like pretty oh, much okay. how that plays out. But um, but you know, I'm glad I ordered it. I to be honest with you, I was very similar to what Johnny was saying in his review of the game when I think they originally announced it in some Nintendo Direct. And first of all, when I saw it graphically, I'm like, okay, they're just cashing in on our nostalgic feels for old school RPGs. And then when yeah. the name showed up on the screen, Octopath Traveler. I'm like, that's the most bogus name for a game I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> talk about RPGs and just ludicrous naming conventions. That was the worst of it. And I was just like, ah, oh, no, this is definitely not for me. But it got rave reviews. And it, obviously, if you're enjoying it, I'm I'm impressed. So um, I definitely had to pick it up, snagged it. Gra- glad I got it for 45 bucks. Yeah, so I was the opposite. I saw that originally on a thing or a whatever like the trailer and I was like holy shit this is my thing well, and then I the th- saw that there were eight different characters which is awesome but I thought it was like you play through one story and then go through and it deterred me but like it's a very basic naming convention if you think of it octo just eight and then paths so it's basically eight paths or eight different characters <laughs> well like, yeah but oh, it's okay. but yeah. still it's it's sounds crazy and to be fair <sighs> Not to like point fingers or anything, but like on the DS, 3DS era, RPGs were a dime a dozen. I mean, it, there was seriously a, a whole slew of them coming out every couple of weeks. If you go back and watch some of like Pete's games I pick, uh, picked up recently or games I bought recently episodes back in like 2011 through 2015, every episode he's just holding up RPG after RPG. And so you kind of just grew tired of them. So when this one came out, it was just like, all right, this is just another RPG in Nintendo's laundry list of RPGs they already have on their handheld consoles. But I'm glad this one is breathing new life in the genre, and I'm glad yeah. that I picked it up. I'll definitely be playing it here in the next couple of months probably. Yeah, there's some interesting things about it. Like you can travel into high-level areas. Um, so like every time you go through like a new portion of the map so there's like little checkpoints kind of um every time you scroll to the next screen um there's a specific number of steps you have until you encounter something for that first encounter in that area Mm -hmm. and then after that there's another counter until you run into a second enemy but like that first counter is the longest okay for like number of steps and then you can get a character that it kind of extends that amount of uh steps that you have originally when you walk into an area so what you can do kind of manipulate it is if you run into a save point um it doesn't restart 
Um, but if you die in a high level area, you go back to the save point, not to the first like other area that you just walked in from. You can kind of like jump onto that save point and then walk to the next area to get through. Like at level seven, I walked into a level 35 and I got one shot. But I went back to a save point and then walked into a level 45, made my way to a, like a level 50 and opened a chest and got this awesome dagger of death. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. And then I went to like the boss to like get another character to like help save some chick from like pirates. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, just it's called a viper dagger, which really makes me think of Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was just like, all right, this poisons you. Like your starting weapons do like, say, 20 damage. This has 330 damage and poisons people potentially. So I went up to this like pirate and just shanked him in the neck. <laughs> and I was like, that's what you get. I was just snooping around the map. And then that's how I became too overpowered and had to restart. But oh, it's, it's a ton of fun. I... I'm probably going to beat at least a couple characters this week. Nice. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. You also were playing another little game called Final Fantasy VII. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that because I've put too many hours into Octopath already. And not the remake so everyone else is playing, the original. Yeah, so I wasn't sure I wanted to play Final Fantasy VII Remake because it was just a portion of the entire game. And then I think, I don't know when we were talking, but you're saying, oh, yeah, there's the original PS1 version just on the PS4. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that, I never had a PS1, but um, I'd rather beat the entire story, have it in its polygonal charm. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, understand, because I have no, I didn't know, I don't know anything about the story. Um, I'm trying to remember what happened. Um, so like, I'm I realized why people love Eris mm -hmm. um, so much. She's such a great character. She's just a, like adorable, innocent person. And I like, I kind of just found out her backstory, and then she was like stolen on a helicopter. And I was like, okay, what's going on? So I'm like trying to get her back right now. Okay. So I'm like within the first five hours of the game, which I think is what the uh remake covers but i want to go through the full like 38 hour game and then i'm more willing to play the remake which just looks amazing rick's loving it and then i i think you're liking it yeah so first of all i'm really glad that you're playing the original i actually i did get the remake i was very much like you after watching johnny millennium's review happy console gamer oh i already knew this going in that this was going to be multi multi-installments like there was going to be several iterations of this game before we'd get the final version and then when we had chrono link on a couple episodes ago and he said yeah it's just up to the point where you get out of midgar which is kind of like the first five hours of final fantasy 7 the original so when he said that i'm like wait a second so you're telling me i'm gonna pay 60 dollars to play five hours of gameplay that's just ultra polished and then it was like no they're just kind of stretching it out to make 20 to 40 hours of gameplay depending on number of side quests you do and just all the other side content so i was kind of like um that's still a hard sell because comparatively speaking yeah. and let me let me take a step back so i remember originally going over to my buddy scott's house this is the same friend that had 
Tony Hawk's Pro Skater showed me that original blue card, introduced me to games like Perfect Dark on the N64. Most of the N64 catalog, Scott's responsible for me playing. He's also his older brothers. I remember watching them play one of the um, special bosses in Kingdom Hearts actually in Neverland, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this game's amazing. They show me a number of games that went on to become some of my favorites. I remember distinctly going downstairs in his basement one day, and they were playing Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation 1. Must have been, I don't know, 8, 9, maybe 10 years old. And I was just mesmerized by this really interesting turn-based combat that I, to that point, had only really seen in Pokemon, but that was far different because it was on a handheld. It wasn't as colorful. Yeah. weren't as many characters on screen. So I was kind of mesmerized, and I went home that night, and I told my mom, like, I need to go to Hollywood Video, game crazy, and get this game. So we went, she took me, found a greatest hits copy, I distinctly remember bringing it home, popping it in my PlayStation 1, and I just didn't get it. The turn-based combat was just way over my head, I just could not conceptually understand what I was supposed to be doing in that game. So... <laughs> I had a really bad habit of buying a lot of games when I was younger and then running back to Game Crazy and trading them all in. Lost a ton of money. My parents pissed them off to no end. But anyways, I did that with Final Fantasy sure. VII because it just, again, didn't click with me. So when I found out that, well, first of all, 20 years later, I've played an unhealthy number of RPGs since then. So I was always meaning to go back to and play Final Fantasy VII. And I've started the game like at least five times on my Vita, on the PlayStation, uh, well, on the PlayStation 1, I since bought a copy again. I just, I couldn't get into it. I, I played it for a few hours, and I put it down, and it just never sucked me in. So, fast forward to Final Fantasy VII Remake coming out, and again, that dilemma of, like, do I buy a game that, to Johnny's point, they're going to be releasing installments for another 10 years or so, because it's probably going to be at least six parts, that's a tough sell because comparatively speaking for me, having literally no idea about the story in Final Fantasy VII, that's like taking one of my favorite games of all time, Kingdom Hearts 1, and saying, we're going to build this game from the ground up using the Kingdom Hearts 3 engine. First of all, I'd be losing my mind. And then they're like, but yeah. there's a catch. We're actually only going to release up to the point where you leave Traverse Town. All right, so yeah. we're, we're going to stretch out Destiny Islands. We're going to stretch out Traverse Town to make 30 to 40 hours of com or content. I'd be thinking like, what am I going to be doing? Going over to Pongo and Perdita's and eating spaghetti every night? Hopping over to Sid's place and <laughs> building gummy ships out of Legos? Like, it would just be the weirdest thing for me to be think, like, how are they going to stretch that game so much? Well, coming into Final Fantasy VII Remake, again, having... No idea what the original game was like because I only played the first hour or two. I can say that they have done an absolutely phenomenal job. Part of me wishes I had the nostalgic ties to the game because I'm sure there are so many nods to veteran players of the game that are just oozing at the mouth and probably in tears because there's just certain things that they're seeing in crisp HD graphics. They're just like, my God, this is... If you told my eight-year-old self that played the original that I was going to play this game in Ultra HD graphics, you know, 20 years from now, I never would have believed you. You know, part of me wishes I had that. However, yeah, going but, in blind... Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? That's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to have, like, the eight-year-old nostalgia because, once again, my job has aged me more than eight years. But, like, I want to see what everyone went through, like, playing it where, 
like you said, uh, Cloud's arms look like screwdrivers, like flathead screwdrivers. They do, yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to like understand, like what, why I care um, that some of these characters are having these discussions or like the flashbacks, what they look like back in the day, and like where people thought these graphics were amazing, and then look at the new stuff and be like, holy shit! Like, I'm trying to create that artificially, but I. I Cloud just looks amazing on <laughs> the new game. And he I'm does. Like, oh, that well, spiky hair. And you got to think too, like this was such a pipe dream of a remake. When this was announced at E3 in 2015 and fans lost their minds, I mean, it's really unbelievable. I mean, fan of Final Fantasy VII or not, I think you can at least appreciate what Square Enix has done with this remake because it's, it's I'd almost compare it to, although it still doesn't do it justice with like the remake of Ocarina of Time on the 3DS or Shadow of the Colossus on PS4, just, I mean, Final Fantasy VII, to some, is not only their favorite RPG, but favorite game of all time. And so, yeah, going into it, I kind of wish, again, that I understood all these character relationships, because I'm sure I'm going to get to the end of this game and just be wanting so much more, but I'm not going to be able to see the end for so many years. So that, I'm trying not to think about that, I'm kind of just trying to appreciate what we've gotten and my goodness, when I booted up the game last night, I made sure, I made it a point to not have anything going on, no peat streams, nothing. I put my noise-canceling headphones on, connected it to my PS4 controller, and my god, that opening cinematic was absolutely breathtaking as they roll the camera through Midgard, you see Aerith, and it pans out, and you see the Final Fantasy VII logo... Me going into this game blind, not playing the original, you know, relatively speaking, yeah, I was almost in tears. So I cannot imagine what people who have followed this game for so long since its original release must have been losing their minds. Oh, I can. Oh, yeah. Like, this is my first Final Fantasy, and I've always loved the character of Cloud with his, like, probably 300-pound or 400 pound sword on his back yeah. that he just swings around like it's nothing. Um, and like looking at the original graphics and then like I watched a trailer. I, I think I saw scenes that it was like, Hey, cloud looks good now. But looking at the trailer after going through basically the first five hours and seeing some of the scenes I had just looked at on the PS one style graphics, I'm like, Holy crap. Like I just felt that emotional like interaction on the PS1 version. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine when I actually play through it the remake that like seeing it how I'm actually kind of picturing it. Um, uh, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's losing their shit, but you know, and they're just gonna want more after that 38 or 35 hours that the game runs for. Yeah, I hope Square Enix is is pretty quick to let us know, especially with there not being a E3 this year kind of what the rough penciled in timeline is for all of this, like when they're going to be releasing these later installments. I mean, I have to believe that while they were developing this first part of the game, they were really working on the game in totality, not just like, hey, we're only going to focus on this one section. And then once we release it, we're going to work on this next section. I feel like they're probably not doing that. Again, with with no idea or context of video game development, that could very well be what they're doing I hope we find out later on or soonish, like when they're planning on releasing more. But 
enough about that. The game itself, again, the opening cinematic is breathtaking. I'm literally going to give zero spoilers. I just want to talk about some of the actual mechanics of it all. And I will encourage everyone to play on normal. Kotaku had an article that got a lot of flack. Very much, or very similar to IGN's review of Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire back in the day, where they said it was, there was too much water in the game. There, there was a Kotaku wow. article yeah. that said uh, easy mode is too easy. Which say what you will about it, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna, I'm Wait, not gonna nitpick it. What? <laughs> yeah, they said the easy mode is too easy. So. Who plays on easy though? Like that ruins the experience of like, hey, did I accomplish or beat this boss? It's like, if you stomp over a boss, what's the point? Like, yeah, I, yeah. So I would really encourage everyone to play no, on, are on they, normal. What? Sorry, go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? I'm just like, I get it. Them wanting an easy mode on Sekiro, it's hard, but you lose like. The, if the entire game is based around a specific kind of like accomplishing shit, even in Final Fantasy, like normal should be like the minimum. That should be the easy. Yeah. I, I That stuff irritates. Okay. What, what were you saying? Yeah. So they should I, go under for that. They should shut their doors. Well, Jason Schreier, one of the lead writers for Kotaku, left. He, uh, I think he was actually supposed to announce yesterday where he's going, but I didn't follow up. Really? On he left because he's the one who writes everything. He's right here. really big in video game press. Like typically, when you hear announcements or rumors going around, he's one of the first pers- people to kind of tweet about it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I've I don't, heard his name a lot. I don't know where he's going, so more to come on that maybe. But uh, yeah, so Final Fantasy VII remake opening cinematics amazing. Play on normal difficulty because I would say the first boss encounter, like I was scratching my head, like why the hell am I struggling with this so much? Like this is genuinely kicking my ass right now, and I really yeah. had to like. Like, obviously, people, if you've seen any footage of the game, you'll know that they've foregone the turn-based combat of the original to a more action-heavy style of combat. So, Cloud runs right up to enemies and just starts whacking them with his sword. There is no initiate combat, go into a separate screen, and, you know, a, a, a fight ensues. It's very much just hack and slash. I would say it bears a lot of resemblance to the Kingdom Hearts games uh, in that regard, just because it is more action RPG as opposed to turn-based. But um, yeah, the first boss was just tough. It was very challenging, but I hope that's a sign of what's to come because I want to be challenged. Like I, I feel like if if I had a really big criticism of Kingdom Hearts beyond its incomprehensible story, it's that the game can be super easy. I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is definitely um at fault for that because if you're playing on standard difficulty it it just was so incredibly easy and final fantasy 7 on normal uh which on the outset is the hardest difficulty i'm sure once you beat the game you'll unlock like a more challenging harder difficulty uh but yeah play on normal because it is genuinely challenging a couple other things i just want to quickly talk about is i I think a lot of people probably thought or at least some people were under the impression that this was just going to be a cash grab, hey, Final Fantasy VII, everyone's going to buy it regardless of how good or bad it ends up being. But the attention to detail in this game is unbelievable. And, and there, there are points where I literally just stopped walking to just take in the environments and the graphical detail. But one thing that really got me, and this is going to sound bizarre and weird, there's one point where you, you climb a building as Cloud, and when you're walking down... Uh, you're like in a back alley, so you're kind of walking down those 
like iron staircases, if you will, uh, that you would expect to see like in okay. a back alley. But yeah, and there's multiple levels before he reaches the bottom and gets on a ladder and goes down. So as he's walking across the the flat plane of the the building, he's obviously his arms are going back and forth as you would expect when someone's running, you know, uh, like yeah. run, runner's arms, if you will. But then when he goes, runner's arms. yeah, when he walks down the stairs, <laughs> his arms are actually pressed to his sides as you normally would when you're walking downstairs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, kind of. Like when you walk downstairs, you're not still flapping your arms around like you typically would when you're running or walking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like... When, yeah. you're, when you're walking downstairs, right. you kind of lock them closer to you and look down the stairs as you're walking down them. And that's what Cloud was doing. It was just the simplest, weirdest thing that I took notice to that was just, again, the attention to detail was just so, so good. And then, I, I again, I don't have a lot of ties or nostalgic love for the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. Always had a huge appreciation for it because I love everything Nabuyo Imatsu has done, just based on Final Fantasy IX, Lost Odyssey, so many other soundtracks that he's composed. So, but but Seven, obviously there's a lot of iconic s- songs, but again, I didn't have a whole lot of nostalgia towards them. However, the remastered composition of the soundtrack is stunning, and I'm actually considering, don't tell Lauren, trying to find the, 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 the vinyl record for it, because it would just be... <laughs> music to my ears. I mean, I, I I don't think I talked about it last episode, but Nolan helped me uh, hook up the record player that I'd recently gotten. Uh, on his recommendation, he recommended that I get this specific record player, and I hooked it up to our ridiculous speakers that are, I don't even know how much they cost, 300-something bucks, and records yeah. sound phenomenal. I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm listening to. I mean, The first record I ended up using on the thing was... Um, uh, Led Zeppelin's, oh gosh, four is that the name of the record? I, I sound, I feel terrible not knowing the name. Um, but uh, Black Dog was the first song that I listened to. It just sounds stunning. But definitely hoping to get the record soundtrack because the music composition is just out of this world good. And I don't know, like I just, I don't want to talk about any of the story beats or where I'm at. I just wanted to have brief impressions about the actual gameplay and presentation of it all. I'm about. Four hours in, I only played the first three chapters of 16 last night, and I'm itching to get right back into the game. It's just so good. Yeah. No, I just stopped when Rick was here because he thinks in the original game that Cloud sounds like a bitch from mm. just his dialogue. He's beaten all of the Final Fantasies, but like he was doing a voice every time the character's dialogue would come up, and he was just like, oh no, can we do this? Like in a really high pitch, like... I don't know, bitchy voice. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait until you leave <laughs> yeah. so I can enjoy this game. Well, that's another good experience. That's another good point is the voice acting is very spot on, at least for all the characters I've met so far. And and I've met, obviously, Cloud, Barrett, Tifa. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Eris, Aerith, uh, however you want to pronounce her name. She's beautiful. I know why Chrono Link is in love with her now. She, yeah. and you described her perfectly. She just has this innocence and purity about her she's just so kind and we've only seen her at this point in the game for literally two minutes maybe so yeah and cloud has hair gel for days oh yeah what's up with all the like final fantasy um like hair 
Is it just like Japanese style hair? I think yeah, I think it's very much in 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 line with Japanese culture. I think they are just huge into fashion there and I think hair hairstyles is just very prominent. I mean, I've never been to Japan. You have, so you were probably saw a lot of that Trust while me, you were no there. one has cloud hair. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe I was in the wrong portion of Japan, but like yeah. I didn't see many people with blonde hair at all. Cuz I think I don't know what color hair Japanese people can have. Well, you can uh, dye hair it. Just a like a Caucasian thing. I have no idea, but I'm sure you can dye. I mean, very recessive. Yeah, a lot of people dye their hair in Japan. So. I'm not gonna look up the uh, Punnett square of a hair color for Japanese people. I'll do that later on okay. camera. I'll let everyone know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next week. Stay but, uh, tuned. Yeah, for sure. But no, I'm I'm really enjoying Final Fantasy VII Remake more more so than I'd anticipated, and I guess I didn't even get to why I purchased it. So because of all the reasons I already explained, I was going to wait on it. I I really wanted to pay like around 30 to 40 bucks for this, which I figured come Black Friday or later in the summer, there was going to be inevitably some sale to go down to that price. But I was looking online and Amazon still had deluxe editions in stock. And I'm like, is this a mistake? Because I feel like they they would have sold out of these. But then I also thought, no, they probably printed so many of these that that's why they're still in stock at Amazon. So Got the deluxe edition because I had $60 worth of Amazon credit. So I only ended up paying like $25 for the deluxe edition, which is less than I was re uh, willing to pay for the regular edition anyways. So I got the steel, nice. steel book with uh, Sephiroth on the front cover, uh, soundtrack with 12 songs, and then actually a pretty decent art book too. So in addition to the base game. So good stuff there. Yeah, eBay's trying to sell it for 150 bucks. Really? Did you check that out? Yeah, I'm taking a look. 150 bucks for a deluxe edition. Wow. Well, then I'm it really glad. Really I expensive. Yeah, I mean that's just trying someone trying to make a quick buck because it's it's high in demand right now. Everyone wants it, but I'd encourage people to check Amazon before they revert to eBay because I had no problems getting a copy. So. All right. But. But yeah, so, that's, so you were also playing another Final Fantasy, right? I was, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because I went on like a nine-minute monologue last episode with Nolan talking about my love of Final Fantasy 15. At the time, I'd you know gotten to, I don't know, I was about 15 hours in when I when I first started playing. We're talking about it on the podcast. I've since finished it. I love the game. I still don't think. It, it it even comes close to rivaling my love of Final Fantasy 13 because I've just grown to love the characters in 13 so much and there's so many more characters to love in that game uh, just because you play as so many different ones whereas 15's really kind of focused on those four four dudes in a car. Five guys. Yeah, four, yeah, four guys. Um, but I think there's also a love story in 15 that's probably never going to be as appreciated as it should be and that's between Luna Freya who's supposed to be the person you end up marrying when you take an inherent throne as Noctis I think their love story is told in such a beautiful way where the characters are never really get a lot of screen time together it's more flashbacks letters they're sending one another and visions of what could be 
and I'm not, I don't want to get into any kind of spoiler territory, but by the end of the game, how things come to fruition and how the story concludes, I was literally in tears, like not sobbing, but just kind of tearing up because I felt like really the final frame of what you see in the game is just such a powerful payoff to the 40 to 50 hours you'll spend to get to the finish line. And it was just incredibly satisfying for me. So I, I really don't know what the the opinion is about the game because when it came out three and a half, four years ago, I, I wasn't following the press of what people were saying or YouTube. I know Johnny Millennium was very fond of the game, but you know I, I really don't know what people thought about it if it was largely hated like 13 or you know broadly well regarded. I really don't know, but I definitely encourage people to play Final Fantasy 15, especially because at the very outset it says a game for veteran players and new players alike. I feel like it is very welcoming. However, it is also in the later game very challenging. So I think it caters to all audiences in that regard. And it's just a a really fun RPG, uh, no doubt. And you can get it for pennies now. So that's all I'll say about it. Um, Actually, no, I do have one more thing I wanted to talk to. And that's, you know, the biggest criticism about 13, I think, was just uh, largely it's convoluted story, but more so it's linearity uh, for the first 25, 30 hours. Final Fantasy 15 does like literally the complete opposite where you're thrust into this gargantuan open world that aesthetically reminds me a lot of Far Cry because it you don't have access to it all right away. It kind of opens up incrementally as you progress through it and just as you drive your car across the world from city to city, it reminds me a lot of Far Cry. Uh, but I would say for the first 10 chapters, it's completely open world And then there's literally a part where you talk to a character and they say, are you sure you want to embark here? Because if you do, you can't come back. And so you go into this far more linear adventure for between really chapters 10 and 12. It's just a largely story exposition. I think I finished all three of those chapters in a matter of like an hour. And then 13 to 15 it doesn't really go back to the open world necessarily until you're in the final chapter where the whole world's gone to shit and you have to, you know, go to the final boss. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to go into any other spoiler territory. But my gosh, is the final, like, two hours an absolute adrenaline rush with some of the most epics and overused word, but just incredibly epic boss battles. It's, again, supremely satisfying. However, there's a boss battle earlier in the game, Ryan, where... An, an amazing song plays, right? And I'm I'm in the midst of this boss battle, going to town on this boss, and I can't. I literally pause the game because the song in the background continues to play on the pause screen, and I'm like, I, I know this song. I've heard this song before, but it wasn't in a playlist that I was listening to while I was working. You know, in some compilation of multiple JRPG soundtracks, it sounds. And, and I'll let you be the judge of this. It sounds okay. nearly identical, just this small little snippet of the, the song, the track, to a song from a game not even in the series. So I'm going to play this the song from Final Fantasy XV, and then I want you to tell me what, what this reminds you of. And let me get back to, I think it's at the 21-second mark, all right? 
So as you're listening to this, let me know what you th- what this reminds you of. It's like McDonald's theme song or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, does that work? Yeah. What does that remind you of? It reminds me of a uh, Two Steps from Hell song. Um, really? That's what it reminds you of? I'm, I'm, no, don't. You're thinking too hard here. That it, There's a song that's very similar to that. Okay. Well, you're not. it's uh, not going to play through yours because when you were watching that video earlier, it wasn't playing through your speakers. Yeah. Tell what me what does it remind you of? Well, listen to this song and tell me what game this is from. Hold on, let's let just listen to this quick tune real quick again. From this is from Final Fantasy fifteen. Um, all right, why is this picture not updating? Hold on, here we go. Oh, it almost sounds like a. All right. The beginning almost sounds like Oblivion. Okay, so now listen to this song. Yeah. Yeah, it does. The very before the the choir portion sounds like a uh, two steps from hell song, but the beginning definitely sounds like it. So that was Skyrim, but it also the opening of Oblivion has a very resembling tune. So I was like. And that's the same song that's in Final Fantasy XV. So I'm not sure. It's a completely different composer. I mean, uh, Jeremy Soule did not do the, the soundtrack to Final Fantasy XV. He's a but, fan. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, rel- relatively interesting. I'd be curious, you know, Chrono has a really good ear for music if he if he saw the resemblance when he was playing the game. But by the way, that song plays during this Leviathan boss battle. That's another okay. incredibly epic boss battle in Final Fantasy XV. But <laughs> Just like midway through the song, the year is Akatosh, 443. <laughs> and the closing hour, or years, or was it days of the f- my life? The final dun, hours dun, dun. of my life, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, th- I love that open. That's such a good open to a game. It is really good. Fuck, now I want to play Oblivion. I mean, you can. Yeah, but now I'm like, I'm cheating on like five games right now. Yeah. I'm like, I, I can't add another one to my roster. Okay, that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, Final Fantasy fifteen. go back to our episode with Nolan. Uh, Nostalgia is the best medicine. The previous episode. Fast forward to my thoughts about Final Fantasy fifteen. I think I literally have it in the timestamps to get my more detailed impressions about the world, the gameplay, all that good stuff. But yeah, my concluding thoughts are if I had to give it a ranking, 8, 5, 9 out of 10, really, really good time. And I, I still have plenty of DLC to dip my toes into. So uh, maybe more to come on that later this summer or something like that. But after that, I kind of needed something a little more mindless. Throw on a couple Pete streams. What am I going to play? Saw the spring sale on PSN and I found... Killzone Shadowfall for five bucks. I figured I'm a big fan of the Killzone series. I love two on the PS3. 
I especially loved Mercenary on the Vita. I, that's still probably my favorite game on the system. I just, I thought the story was fantastic, or at least the campaign, and the multiplayer especially was just so much damn fun. And I found that Killzone Shadowfall is, at least like the first two-thirds of the game were just really standard first-person shooter, was having a great time because I love the guns in Killzone. I love the the shooting mechanics of it all. Graphically, it looks stunning. It even encouraged some stealth gameplay like earlier on in the campaign just because there's so much sneaking around and just knifing people, which reminds me a lot of the Wolfenstein game, so I appreciated that. But later in the game, it just gets into like these crazy large areas where it's just a big old shootout. The AI on your team absolutely sucks, and you just get pummeled to death. Frustrating to no end. So... I'm going to play it to completion just because I'm already 80% through the game. I might as well finish it. Uh, but a little disappointing just because, I, I don't know, like Mercenary was just such a strong entry in the series and really kind of breathed new life into it. And then I just feel like Shadowfall, maybe at the time, like because this launched with the PS4, I feel like this was it was either this or Knack, and I'm not knacking on Knack, if you will. I, I, I haven't played that game. I think uh, Frantic, Josh, he's actually a big fan, and hey... I'm I'm never going to uh, overlook a 3D platformer action game, so it's on my list of eventual games to get, but I think Killzone was the main selling point because it was a familiar franchise, it was a shooter, had online, and that's probably what will eventually maybe save this game for me in terms of really enjoying it and putting it over the edge, is if I get into the online and enjoy it, because I felt like Mercenary on the Vita, I had so much fun. I mean, I, I played that online probably more than I played any of the other games on this, the console. So, uh, remains to be seen. Maybe I'll hop into the online this week and have more impressions next week. But if you're looking for a relatively mindless, enjoyable shooter, for five bucks, I mean, you might as well, you know, pick it up. I, and I encourage you, Ryan, to pick it up because I was having a good time with it. Yeah, I can definitely stomach five bucks. Yeah. But that's all I've been playing this week. I'm anxiously awaiting getting back into Final Fantasy 15 or Final Fantasy 7 remake after we finish recording today and Ryan yeah. I I implore you to go out and get the game you should just do it <laughs> Dude I I will I I definitely will but I still have potentially 100 hours in Octopath I have <laughs> a potentially like unlimited amount in uh Animal Crossing and then I have to beat it originally so that's another like 40 hours Mm, so give yeah. me like I'll probably go out and get it Thursday when I complete all that 150 hours. Okay, worth cool. Of games. Keep me up. Yeah, I guess Animal Crossing. I didn't speak about that. I um, I'm, I'm certainly not done with the game, but I've really burnt myself out. Very similar to what I did with with New Leaf, which I was hoping to not do with New Horizons, but I just played it so much in those first few weeks that now, very much like you, I'm just going in collecting my fossils. That's really it? I mean, I'm talking to the, the townspeople just so that they don't think I'm, like, leaving them forever. But other than that, like, I just don't have the drive or desire to, like, run up and down my, my island and fish or collect bugs right now. I'm hoping that the longer I take this break of just collecting my fossils and shelving it, that I'll get inspired to, you know, cut all my trees down, move my house to the top of the island start terraforming, invite more villagers to the island, you know, the whole nine. 
I, but right now I just, yeah. I just don't have that drive. So I, I actually typically when I'm done playing games for the night or like Final Fantasy 15 or remake of seven, I've just been popping into Mario Kart seven or Mario Kart eight, grinding a bunch of coins. And I'm actually trying to unlock all of the carts, wheels and hang gliders, which I think oh, the cool. final count is 3,100 coins. I currently have 2,500, so I'm getting closer. And with each 100 coin count that you collect, you unlock a new item up to 3,100. And then if you get three stars on every circuit for like 200cc and then the mirror courses, there's different rewards for each, but you get a gold cart, a gold hang glider, and like gold wheels or something like that. So that's a box I'll check in the very distant future but right now i'm just trying to to work to get all the coins so it's been a fun like mindless thing while i'm watching a movie or watching pete stuff like that so but yeah no cool. a lot of good stuff playing a lot of good things and uh looking forward to playing more of seven remake awesome but ryan with the stay-at-home orders for so many states and i'm sure many people are just doing their best to social distance i figured it'd be cool for us to recommend some of our favorite movies and tv shows that either we've been watching recently to help us pass the time or that are just go-tos for us to help pass the time. So I uh, I have three kind of serious shows that people should watch or that I'd recommend people watch. And then like three kind of chill, have in the background type shows. You don't have to be paying close attention, if you will, but you can kind of have in the background while you're playing a game or you're playing Switch or something like that. And then a couple movies that you can all access on different streaming platforms right now. So I know you, I think, had a movie or two to recommend. Yeah, so um, when Rick was over, we were trying to figure out, because we cooped up together for three days, um, what we wanted to watch. And we started Tiger King, and we got through an episode, and we couldn't stomach it. Um, so I wouldn't recommend Tiger King. Yeah, I... Uh, probably... Oops, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I watched the first episode, and it was just, like, so weird. Like, yeah, it's it's absolute craziness that people have all these exotic animals, but I wasn't, I wasn't sitting there like, I need to know how this person's story concludes and how he goes to prison. And I'm seeing all the memes and everything, and it's just, I, I don't know. I, I definitely have not been sold. If there's someone out there that's watching it that uh, is listening to this episode... Hop in the Discord. Let us know like why you felt compelled to watch the whole series. Yeah, it was basically just like two people fighting, and I'm like, I need less fighting in my life. Like I found the Hernandez documentary interesting, but I wasn't really sold on or like pulled into Tiger King. Besides, like, hey, there's a lot of cute tigers, and they rip off people's arms. But like, besides that, it wasn't that cool. I also don't um, think that it would ever have seen as much popularity in internet uh memes if it if we weren't all at home right now like if this if everything was normal there was no COVID 19 there's no way this would have gone as viral as it has yeah no i don't think it would have um if we weren't all forced to watch it yeah (laughs) because there's nothing else on yeah um there is another netflix show that we started watching the witcher which i had gone through like twice i think we weren't really sold, or Rick wasn't sold on it. So there was like one, it's called Altered Carbon. Hmm. I don't know if you've looked into that one. Um, but we watch, 
we ended up watching seven episodes in one sitting, and they're it's like seven hours straight of it, uh, just TV. It's real. It was really interesting. I really liked season one. Um, essentially, um, they figure out a way to download your consciousness into these chips, and then you can basically live forever in different. I think they call them sleeves. So it's like different bodies, and hmm. you can basically just live forever. And there's this guy um, who comes back, and he used to be like a mercenary kind of thing. I think they the way that they describe it, he's an envoy. So he's basically like special ops. Okay. And he's tasked of like uh, this high, like rich dude's murder. And that's all of season one and it gets crazy and he's just a badass. It, I was entertained. It was kind of like a mindless. I mean, it's just kind of like a bro-y kind of show. Okay. Uh, but really interesting, really like high tech. And I was enthralled. There's a second season. Um, I haven't started that yet because I was kind of burnt out from watching all of season one in like two sittings. But yeah, definitely a good one to watch. Nice. I'll add it to the queue and for then, sure. Say that again? I was, I'll just add it to my queue of things to watch. Yeah, you should. And then um, we also watched Baka and Test. It's a hilarious what? anime. I think oh, it's on... Okay. We might have watched it on... Uh, Funimation. He put in his credentials for that one. You know, it's also on probably Crunchyroll. Um, it's Baka and Test. B A K A, and then just Test. This looks super anime, like Japanese crazy. It is hilarious. Basically, it translates to stupidity test. And where you like diff- so there's like A through F, like each room, like A room through F room. Basically you have a placement test and um, depending on how well you do, or if you're dumb, you go to a specific room. So F room has like cardboard boxes for chairs. Well, a room has really nice like lounges and stuff. And the interesting thing is like, you can like battle their rooms. Like the F can battle E or um, A or B or C rooms to switch like their classrooms to get cooler stuff. But it, it's just hilarious. It's like the driest, darkest humor. Okay. And we watched it in college, but it's definitely worth watching if you're into that. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, so those are the ones I've written down. Um, you can never go wrong. I started the Harry Potter series again. Um, you had gotten me the full set. So I made it through three of them. Um, I will definitely be watching those as background noise, though. Nice. In these upcoming weeks. Yeah, I um, I also have been kind of watching the Harry Potter movies kind of intermittently throughout the past couple of weeks, for sure. Those are always go-tos for me. Uh, in terms of, like, TV shows, like, the serious ones I'd, I'd recommend are Ozark being the first. I, I talked, I think, pretty highly of that a couple episodes back. I can't even remember now. But if if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, I think this has the potential to be right up there in terms of like dark drama. It's just released its third season on Netflix. It's a Netflix exclusive. And I think Breaking Bad, what did it run? Five, maybe six seasons. And I thought that was perfect yeah. length for that. 
I think there's definitely at the end of season three of Ozark more story to tell there. And I think maybe four, certainly maybe five seasons would cap it off these, these characters storylines and really has the potential to not, not rival or overtake breaking bad, but, but really be up there in terms of just sheer entertainment, really dark drama and just very binge worthy. So if you're, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to go into the story or anything like that. If you like Breaking Bad, check out Ozark. It's probably up your alley. <clears throat> Exceptional acting by Jason Bat- uh, Bateman. Um, Laura Leaney, I think, is the lead actress, his wife in the show. And all of the other supporting cast is just phenomenal. Really, really good stuff. The other show... Yeah, even watch just like the first episode. I'm, I think I'm like four episodes in right now. It, it's really, it's really good. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's dark, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's heavy stuff, for, for sure. Uh, Lost, I mean, I can't speak highly enough about Lost. Ryan and I went on and on episodes and episodes ago about it, and you can actually watch it on Hulu right now. So if you have Hulu and you don't own the DVDs, check out Lost. It's such a good show. It obviously creeps into some weirdo territory later on, but I think at the very end of the show, you realize that it was never about the weirdo science fiction routes they take it's it's really just about the storylines of the characters their relationships and how those um conclude at the end of it all so really good stuff there and then the final one firefly i don't know if you've ever seen this ryan i highly doubt it lauren had never heard of it it was in the early 2000s it was created by joss whedon so buffy the vampire slayer angel went on to make a little indie film called the avengers and he created this uh, this TV show called Firefly that when they originally pitched the uh, the pilot episode to Fox, Fox said, no, this sounds ridiculous. It's basically Star Wars meets old school Western. There's not an audience for this. Well, he went back and pitched a different episode idea that was eventually called the uh, train heist or something like that. I can't, it's like the third or fourth episode of the show. And they were like, okay, this sounds more interesting. So they aired the show. It went on for 14 episodes and then Fox canceled it really unfortunate because it has one of the largest, craziest fan bases behind it called the Brown coats. That's what they call themselves because that was to kind of set up the scene here. So Nathan Fillion is a lead protagonist in the show He's fighting in the beginning of the first episode in this war, the Browncoats versus, um, oh my gosh, I totally forgot the name, the Alliance, the Alliance, that's the the name of this, this faction, if you will, and they lose the war. So as a result of that, the whole world galaxy is in ruin, and Nathan Fillion ends up buying this ship, which he names Serenity, and he gets a crew of people and they just go on a bunch of different jobs, looting and stealing cargo to make their living. I'll leave it at that. The best way I can describe it is Star Wars meets old school Western. It's 14 episodes of pure brilliance. And while they didn't get the rights to a second season, what they what did happen is Fox sold the rights to Firefly to Universal. And they allowed Joss Whedon and the entire cast of the original show to come back and make a movie called Serenity. And my goodness, I know I'm very hyperbolic on this show when I talk about things I'm very passionate about, but yeah. <laughs> Serenity is 
one of the best science fiction movies of the best of the last 20 years. It's just so good. It wow. caps off what could have been so much more in Firefly so incredibly well. It's just a phenomenal movie. And I would implore people, if you've not seen Firefly, Firefly to check it out. Lauren and I are going through it now. We're about eight to nine episodes in. She's madly in love with it. And Ryan, I'll definitely have to let you borrow uh, the Blu-ray set after we finish our watch through because it's just so, so good. And Nathan Fillion, this really catapulted him into fame to become who he is today. Yeah, the castle. Yeah, Castle, and now he's in The Rookie. He's been in a, a number of films, so uh, he wouldn't be where he is today if it wasn't for Firefly. So uh, that's my last TV recommendation. Some chill shows, Parks and Rec. Lauren has actually been watching that in the background uh, when we take a break for lunch or even the evenings. And I, I've never been able to get into that show, largely like The Office when I first started watching that. But my goodness, Parks and Rec is just hilarious. I'm really enjoying my time, uh, whether I'm directly watching or still working on my computer and just kind of like listening in on episodes. Really good stuff there. So if you're just looking for a background noise show, Parks and Rec is really good. I'd also highly recommend, as a great binge-worthy show while you're playing the Switch or something like that, Batman the Animated Series of the 90s, Kevin Conroy's Batman, Mark Hamill's The Joker. You cannot go wrong, and I actually checked and you can get the complete Blu-ray set on Amazon right now for 55 bucks. So highly recommended there. I know Ryan um, is Batman's biggest fan. He actually has posters all over his walls because he just thinks he's just the greatest superhero for so many reasons. Uh, yeah, that- I mean, like right under all my Rose Tika pictures on my fridge is a Batman poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff, man. You got that signed by uh, uh, Christian Bale, didn't you? I did. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. He yells at camera people. He does. Or lighting people. Yeah. He listens to this podcast, by the way. Hey, Christian. Yeah. Hey, man. I love your stuff. I'm yeah. glad you're still a newsie. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the final show I want to recommend is uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. I, I think I can speak on so many people's behalf that it, when they watched the end of the Attack of the Clones, they just wanted more. I mean, the movie is just so good. It's definitely the height of... <laughs> it's the peak of Star Wars movies, for sure. No, the movie's hot garbage. And that's why I would implore people to just skip over that film entirely and just watch the Clone Wars movies. It perfectly gaps an awful movie to Revenge of the Shith, Sith. (laughs) I I, said Revenge of the Shit, and I was like, oh, okay. We watched different movies. (laughs) I had uh, Sheev on my mind, you know. He just, his name just... Freaking Sheev. Comes up in conversation so often. Uh, But no, if you wanted to really see, you know, you saw hints of Anakin going to the dark side. Obviously, him destroying an entire village of uh, Tusken Raiders or whatever it is to save his mom. And you obviously saw his angsty side in the films. But if you want to see truly the the progression of him turning to the dark side, the Clone Wars is so good, but it's also so perfectly balanced with Ahsoka Tano, who is just embodies the purity of what the Jedi should have become and how she refused to go down the path where Anakin was going and just walked away from the Jedi Order is just so awesome over the course of its seven seasons or whatever it is. And I think tonight I'm finally going to start binging the final season. I think there's 12 episodes that are on Disney Plus now. They're releasing every Friday. And it's kind of the conclusion of Ahsoka Tana's story at least as we know it through 
the the three movie saga, the prequels. Uh, I think there's like eight or nine episodes up right now. But the Clone Wars is so good, and it has solidified Ahsoka Tano as being probably top two or three Star Wars characters for me. She's just such a badass. Yeah, especially when she gets her uh, dual white lightsabers. Mm, yeah, and Rebels, yeah. So good. Yeah, for she sure. She was such a good character in uh, that game that I played too much of. Yeah, she was. Of. Galaxy of Heroes. She was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the animation when she would just jump across the screen and just whack people with her fulcrum white lightsabers. Awesome stuff. Uh, yeah. Movies, I have a couple here. Um, one of which is probably on my... It's I can't remember the last time we talked about our top 10 films, but this would absolutely be in my top 10 if I had to rank today. And that's a little movie called Perks of Being a Wallflower. Ryan, have you seen this movie? No, I think that was in your top 10 when okay. we originally had an episode on it. Okay, so just kind of quickly... Is that the one with Emma Watson? It is, yeah. To quickly kind of set the scene, so you follow this this young kid named Charlie. He's a freshman in high school. He's dealing with clinical depression because of things he's been struggling with since his childhood. And so he kind of just feels invisible. I think a lot of people can probably relate to just going into a new school and not knowing if they're going to meet friends. And so Charlie goes to a football game, he's introduced to Sam, who played by Emma Watson, and Patrick, her stepbrother, who's played by Ezra Miller, also The Flash in that awful Justice League movie. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, so he meets these two oh, people, yeah, and they invite him to a party, and they become incredibly close friends. He bonds with his English teacher, who's played by Ant-Man himself, Paul Rudd, and it's just one of the most emotionally moving movies I've ever watched. I remember watching with my dad specifically over Christmas break years and years ago when it first came out. And he and I were both almost in tears at the end. It's just such powerful performances by uh, Logan Lerman, who plays Charlie, and then Emma Watson. Their chemistry is just so good in the film. And it's on Netflix right now, so you have no excuse not to watch it now, Ryan. And you definitely should. Yeah. Uh so yeah, Perks, that's a heck of a cast. It's really good, yeah. Perks of Being a Wallflower on Netflix. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart, though. It's definitely a pretty heavy film. It, it touches on a lot of just mental health, suppression, all of that stuff. But it's it's really a special film, for sure. And then the other one on Hulu, a, a movie that Ryan and I actually reviewed on this podcast, Parasite. Please, people, check that out. Yeah. One Best Picture, good stuff. And then, Ryan, a little film you and I were going to do an Otaku Brothers review episode last week, but then Rick came into town. What movie was that? It was The uh, Train to Busan. Yes. Busan. I've watched dozens of zombie <laughs> films in my life, probably. I'm a big horror Holy buff. Crap. And, you, you know, zombies are portrayed differently in all kinds of films. In The Walking Dead, you're bit, you have a few hours to kind of grieve with your family before you start turning. If you get it quick enough, you can chop off your arm and still live. That's not the case in Train of Busan. You get bit, and like five seconds later, you turn into a psychomaniac that's like chasing everything around you, trying to eat everything. It's insane. It's exhilarating. It'll cause your anxiety levels to spike like no other film. But it's just so damn good yeah it i can't watch the walking dead um that one stresses me out a lot but and this one 
you actually get to know the characters and they have full arcs and they're done so well. Like the amount of emotion portrayed by literally all the characters. It's just such a good watch. And like, yeah, like you were saying, zombies are done so differently and they're almost overdone at this point. But this is such a new take on it. And then with the character development, it's just a really good watch. It is. So yeah, the the kind of overall premise, I'll just briefly pitch it, is this father who's just drowning in work. He's your typical it's not set in New York, it's in Korea, but he's like your typical New York businessman that's just ignores his family, ignores his children. And it's it's obviously evidenced in the film when he buys his daughter a Wii U and he's like, Oh, what? You don't like <laughs> it for her birthday? And then he looks up and sees a Wii U console on her her dresser. She already has one type of thing. Well, he's taking his daughter, I think, to visit her mom in a different city. And it's this crazy adventure of them being on this train where the outbreak obviously happens in the world, but it, it makes its way quickly onto the train. And just the chaos that ensues is insane. I mean, I think it was about a two hour movie, hour and 45 minutes, whatever it was. You can never catch your breath, but it's so worth it. One of the best zombie films I've watched in a very long time. It is in subtitles. I think it's it's a completely Korean cast, so it's very much like as if you were watching Parasite. Uh, but yeah, they actually have Parasite cast the boy from Parasite. That's right. In it. That's right. The the baseball player guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so good. It's on Netflix. Check it out. I yeah. If you're looking for a a fun popcorn eating movie night, that's that's definitely high up on the list of recommendations by me. Yeah. So. For sure. But yeah, no, that's... I that's, wonder if oh, like, more Korean films are going to be like getting more publicity after Parasite. Well, after it, Parasite and this movie, I really want to do my homework and find out other ones. Yeah, you know? And they're all... Everyone's so beautiful in those movies. It's like, holy shit. All they right. really are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Okay, so here, let's, let's call out to the listeners. If you have any TV shows, movie recommendations, please light up the discord and let us know and certainly if you follow the korean movie uh scene or film scene let us know what's going on there if you have high recommendations please let us know because i i for one and i'm sure ryan would also like to know for sure oh i'm uh, definitely game after those two i mean it's 100 percent would watch yeah both and hopefully it seems high quality i mean they're oh, oh, really yeah. well shot well, that's the thing about Train of so. Busan. There's just so much being captured on screen at any given time that it's like you have like 40 extras on screen as zombies plus like 10 actors that are in character. One person could be off off cue and not acting to the director's liking and it would just screw up the whole scene. But everything was just so seamless and beautifully shot in, in Train of Busan that, yeah, it's it's hats off to them. It's It was a really good movie for sure. Yeah. But Ryan, I think we should get to the listener questions now. Yeah. We got a number of them, actually. We got five emails. I put it out there, I think, Tuesday night, what Ryan and I wanted to do uh, to help those in need and give back in a small way. And again, listeners came in strong. We got five emails from people looking forward to diving deep into these. And based on those numbers, Ryan and I said we'd be donating $5 for every email we got. So that would equate to $25 based on the five emails we received. We are going to quadruple that, and Ryan and I are going to together donate $100 to Feeding America. 
Um, later this evening, I will donate that money and pop a little receipt notification into the Discord just to let everyone know that you helped help us help those that need yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> help, help, help. Help, help us help, help, help. help those who helped us in helping you. So God, it reminds you of mom's text this morning. Yeah, that was uh, that was a little too much for me. You um, know, we know, so we shouldn't tell people. We all know. We know. Uh, <laughs> no, list- no, no, no. The listeners will never know what we're talking about. But anyways, no. let's dive deep into these questions. The first question we got comes from a friend of the show, Steve, also known as Blink or Blinkoom. He says... Hiya, Blink here. I love the thought and sentiment behind your question incentive. Such an awesome thing to do and a great way to get the community involved. Work for me has been beyond crazy lately. We have a huge project that's launching next month and I'm one of the key people responsible for its delivery. It's resulted in a lot of 12 hour plus work days, which just isn't sustainable. Thankfully, it should be over in about a month, but that's a long time to be so busy so often and it's certainly been difficult. In life, I'm generally an optimist, but even I know that much work takes its toll eventually. One of the strange things I've noticed about working so much is that I'm not really able to get super into a game. In my one of two hours free before bed each night, I just lack the mental energy to play most video games. I usually end up just kind of shutting off my brain while watching Twitch or something like that. That said, one game I have played lots of is Monument Valley on my phone. It's helped keep my head in a decent spot thanks to its calming music and simple controls. It's a beautiful and mentally relaxing game. That's a lot of backstory, but it leads into my question. What games have helped you during a time of stress or gotten you through a difficult time? I'd love to hear how your relationship with games changes when you're going through stressful periods in your life. Thanks as always for the great podcast. You're a couple of true gents, Blink. Thanks, Blink. I appreciate the kind words, the email, and the question, and I think Ryan and I, in many times of our lives, have been able to relate to you where we're just completely overwhelmed with whether it's work or just the happenings in our life at the time with friends and family that there's just times where video games just don't sound fun. You don't want to pick up a game or get invested in anything, um, let alone something that is going to require large amounts of time so i don't know ryan like have, have have there been any times in your life where you're just like really down or struggling to get into games and, and how did you cope oh i i'm pretty sure most a lot of the episodes <laughs> i'm like i after like long days of work i definitely i'm like i'm just gonna put on some youtube videos or something because jumping into like an rpg where you need time it doesn't sound good and then, like, coming off of, like, meetings and things, especially large projects working 12 hours a day, I can definitely relate to that. It's, you just don't have the energy. And, it, I mean, you're clicking buttons, which sounds, like, almost relaxing or not stressful, but you just don't have anything left in your tank to expend. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely get it. Um, I guess just hang in there and... uh Think of a few games you want to play once you uh, in a month when you can. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely it's a tough, a challenging time, and I think for me personally, I've had a number of games where they've helped me cope through challenging times. Not necessarily speaking yeah. to when I wasn't in the mood to play games. I will get back to that point in a minute, blank, um, and maybe something that'll help you. 
Uh, but at least for, for me personally, when I've been through some of the more challenging times of my life, particularly when I was in high school earlier on, it was like eighth grade, uh, ninth grade uh, transition. Uh, my dad was going through a second divorce and it was awful. So I spent the majority of my time during that period at my mom's place. And one of the games that really helped me through that time, I was fortunate enough to have like a 20 inch CRT TV in my bedroom at my mom's place. And I had my Xbox 360 there. I typically, you know, pick it up, pack it up and bring it to my mom's or my dad's wherever I was at the time. And I remember pre-ordering a little game called Fable 2 at, of all places, Circuit City, which has now obviously gone under. But I I remember pre-ordering the game at Circuit City because it was kind of the nearest major retailer near my mom's house at the time. And I pre-ordered Fable 2, and I remember going home and just getting completely lost in the world of Albion. I just have such an appreciation for... The fantasy setting, how it is very um, player-focused in the sense that you really get to choose whether you're going to go to the light or dark side, if you will, and that has lasting impacts on your character's appearance. And so, for me, we've talked about it with games like Infamous, Knights of the Old Republic, and things of of that nature, where I always typically stray towards the good side, and you're kind of rewarded for that at the end of Fable by having like a halo over your head. And I, I just love that aspect of it. But also, I, I think during that time, since none of my friends really lived near my mom, I my mom's place, I loved the fact that you had this dog companion in the game because I didn't have um, a furry friend at the time to be able to just love, if you will. Like, I didn't have a dog of my own like we have Scooby now. And so in Fable 2, you have this dog companion that kind of journeys with you beginning to end of this game and what I loved is you're you're exploring this open 3d world and he might dig up treasure for you or if you're running into trouble in combat he'll start hurting or he'll attacking the 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 enemies that you're fighting at the time and and he plays a pretty key role actually at the very tail end of the climax of the game I won't go into details but Fable 2 was just really special to me at that time so that's that's one instance where you know in my real life, I was going through some really troubling things, but Fable 2, I was able to get lost in that world. Um, another example is just Kingdom Hearts 1, actually, of all things. I don't I don't know if I've talked at length about this on the podcast. I'm sure I have at some point, but my mom's a yeah. hairstylist, and so she had a back room where I had like a literally like a 15, 12-inch TV. It was super tiny, and I had my PS2 back there. And I remember after work, we'd stop at Wendy's. I'd get a junior bacon cheeseburger, fries, and an order of four nuggets. We'd stop and get a Polar Pop at the gas station on the corner there. And then we'd go to her hair salon. And she had this little cubby window there too, right in front of her her setup where she was cutting hair. So she was able to just like look in on me and see how I was doing. But I'd sit there, eat my little Wendy's meal, suck down the Polar Pop, and just get lost in the world of Kingdom Hearts 1. It's one of my favorite memories playing games after school, um, because my mom worked late nights, and that's kind of how we um, handled that situation. So, not that it was really like dark or depressing times, but after school, a kid wants to go home and play with his friends. A hair salon isn't necessarily the place you want to be, um, but we made do with the situation. We made the best of it. Um, so, that's another example. And the last one I have before I get to what I'd recommend you potentially doing that helps me uh, when I can't really get invested in games. 
Um, Pokemon Platinum is another big game for me that helped me through one of the darkest times of my life. I'm not going to go into details. I've told the story a number of times on the show. Um, high level, I was hospitalized for uh, for two weeks, and Pokemon Platinum was the game that, if I didn't have it, would have lost my mind because I was bedridden, couldn't leave, and I just got lost in the world of Pokemon Platinum. I have well over a hundred hours. I have hundreds of hours, I think, capped in the game. And uh, it's not my favorite Pokemon game, but it's it's the Pokemon game I needed at that time in my life. So that's another big one for me as well. Um, the thing I'd recommend to you, Blink, and it's something I do frequently because there are many times in my life, multiple times every single year, whether I'm stressed at work or just stressed about married life, whatever it is, you know, that I'm stressed about. And I just cannot find it within myself to sit down and pick up a game. Or when I do, I play it for 10 minutes and I'm like, nope, this isn't it. Pop in another game, do the same thing, rinse and repeat with three or four different games and just nothing is clicking. What I'll end up doing is going over to, I have it in my, our bedroom. It's a modest little shelf of my PS1, PS2 collection and my N64 carts. And on my N64 carts, I have those little stickers that identify the game it is. And what I'll do is I'll kind of just look at the shelf, pull out a random PS2 game that just, at that moment in time that I'm looking at my shelf, I'm just feeling fond memories of. And I'll pull the game off the shelf, I'll look at the cover, I'll look at the back of the box, read everything in the back of the box, look at the screenshots, open up the game and just sift through the manual and just reminisce about the times I played that game. My favorite memory is playing it, the first time I played it, and that in and of itself is enough for me. Like, I don't need to even play it. It's just remembering my fondest memories of playing it. Because, again, at that time, I just don't have it within myself to play a game. So maybe, Blink, I've seen your game room and your YouTube videos, and it's freaking amazing. You have hell of a lot of awesome games. So maybe do that. Wherever your game room is, your basement, I don't know where it is, in your home, just go over to your shelf and just pull off random games, sift through manuals, and just reminisce about simpler times and just your favorite memories playing those games. That's that's kind of my recommendation for you, and I and I hope that works because Ryan and I both get it. There's just times where you just can't get invested in games. Yeah, I also found that like phone games are probably the easiest. Um, it's not like a full gaming experience like a console or PC, but like I, for a lot of my games I've been playing recently, you hear like tap games, like tap Titan two kind of thing, where it's just a clicker game. And like tap Titan two is one that I played a ton where it's built. Like you're kind of an RPG, you get gear and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just like clicking and watching your thing Basically, it does it for you almost. Yeah. So you kind of trick yourself into the illusion that you're playing this like, hey, let's get new loot and gear and stuff. And you can deck out your character. But it's not super intense. Um, I also found that like Flow Free, it's an app where it's just like lines and you connect dots and like kind of puzzles. And it's not super intense. Um, I found that one was really good for kind of unwinding. But you're also getting kind of that uh, gaming experience. What is it called? Flow free? Yeah, flow three. Or I'm trying to look through. Three uh, is in the number or free is in like freedom? free. Okay. F-R-E-E. So F-L-O-W space F-R-E-E. 
Okay. And there's a few different apps, but it's basically you have different color lines in like a, a grid and you're trying to collect the t- or connect the two like blue dots, the two red dots and fill up the entire square. Okay. Um, and then there's different size of squares and then different colors, but that one's a really colorful kind of just unwind um, while you can like watch TV or watch a stream or something. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a good recommendation. I like it. Well, yeah, I, there are, are a lot of games that, I mean, Animal Crossing is definitely one that's getting me yeah. through now. Yeah, for um, sure. Cause I'm, I don't have a furry companion, companion, uh, or someone in my apartment with me. So I'm just here alone. So Animal Crossing, really games that help you escape reality. And that's kind of why we play games most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're like Animal Crossing, you're living in this colorful, happy world with a bunch of furries, yeah. which is why I enjoy it. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but like anything that helps you escape. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes um, was one that really helped me when like towards the beginning of my career after college, one of the people who was kind of tag teaming two desks worth of suppliers. So I had one and uh, this girl had another, she left. Um, So I had two people worth of work and I was working a ton, but you still got the community of like a guild and you got to chat with people. And like, even though I was working like 60 to like 80 hours a week, um, doing two jobs um i definitely got some interaction with people outside Mm -hmm. even though it was kind of an illusion but that's why i sunk a lot of time and money into that one um (coughs) another big one was monster hunter Mm, um for me it it's i mean i love rpgs and it's just a fun loop but like the first episode that we did of the show i was engaged and then by episode two the second week the star wars episode i wasn't engaged anymore and like my fiance and i had broken up Mm -hmm. and like we actually that happened that saturday and then we had to re-record some of it that sunday yeah after it happened because like 20 minutes of the audio got got erased right yeah yeah i can't remember what the heck happened when i when I uh, edited the episode, we just, yeah, we lost some of the audio. It would, Yeah, because I was listening to it, and then it was just silent. And I was like, oh, that's good. So we had to, like, re-record a portion of it. And, like, during that time, it was just, it was spring. But, like, the game had come out in January. So I was in the apartment that the time was, like, kind of a cave. Like, not a lot of natural light, like the one I'm in now. And it was just kind of, like, a dark time. Mm-hmm. And I got to interact with, like, my college roommates who got me into Monster Hunter. So that really helped. Um, really, some any game that really takes you out of reality for a time. Like, that's why RPGs are so fun. Because you're most likely not going to pick up a sword, <laughs> throw fireballs, and go on an epic quest um, in reality. But, like, being able to play or jump in the mind of a character that you... Like cloud or dragon quests or whatever, anything that allows you to hop in that and get so immersed. Mm-hmm. That's why Skyrim's so fun. Yeah, exactly. Because you can literally be whatever you want, and that's another really good one. Probably not the perfect game for you right now, but something where you can create a character and kind of you can get as 
role play esque as you want, like make crazy, ridiculous, like D and D style back backstories. But yes, any game that you can really get immersed in and just take yourself out of reality really helped me. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I hope things you know start to lighten up with workload blink because that's <laughs> that's never easy. Ryan and I have both been there. It's just a grueling grind that just seems never ending. But the the end hopefully is near, and I hope you can get plugged into a game that's really going to help you um, through this difficult time, man. But we're here for you. If you need uh, someone to talk to, definitely reach out on Discord. Always happy to hop on a call and uh, talk through whatever you know. So reach out. We're here for you. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate it. We got another question here from fellow friend of the show. Writes in quite a bit. Nick, he says, hey guys, Nick Knack here. First off, what you're doing for today's episode is just really amazing. Hope an idea like this catches on for other podcasts with huge fan bases. Now, one thing I just absolutely love is crossovers and gaming has a huge amount from seeing companies collaborate with each other, a la Kingdom Hearts. The companies can... Uh, uh, companies combine all their franchises into one thing, a la Super Mario Brothers or Super Smash Brothers. One are on to my question: What is your guys' dream crossover, and what type of genre would you want it to be? As always, keep up the great work, and if you need trivia questions for a future episode, let me know because I love making them. I mean, if you're willing to do that, Nick, please, please feel free to do that. I would. Ryan and I would love to go head-to-head in a trivia battle. I mean, I'd kick his ass, but it would still be fun, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, fun for one of us. Yeah, but definitely, if, if it's not too much work or trouble, Nick, we'd, we'd love that. We'd really appreciate it. But Ryan, favorite, or what is your dream crossover game? Oh, gosh. I actually... Um, okay, if you have an idea, prep, by all means. I cheated, and I read this question just before we started recording, and I kind of cool. just went. Let's throw Ryan into like blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about how about? Okay, go ahead. It, seriously, if you have an idea, my uh, by all means. Well, one of the crossovers I really liked was Monster Hunter. Did a lot of crossovers with like The Witcher. Um, I think they did. Was it Devil May Cry? They did a few where you can actually like look like the characters. Um, they did one with Horizon. Yeah, he plays it's Aloy. Exclusive. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, they did, was it, yeah, Final Fantasy, they did it as well. They had the, um, behemoth one monster. boss from Final Fantasy, yeah, the behemoth, which was a pain in the ass to fight. A behemoth, um, I would love it? something I like know. that. Um, more type of stuff, like RPGs where they throw in, I don't know if it would always work. Monster Hunter is one of those ones where you can hunt down bosses from other games. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love more of that. That that was just a ton of fun. Um, plus, if you have all the like, if you could kill Bowser, <laughs> I don't know. They like farm Bowser parts. That'd be pretty How sweet. hilarious. Would that be like a Bowser armor? Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, yeah. What is your cheated answer? <laughs> yeah. So it's <laughs> no secret that I am a huge fan of Diddy Kong Racing. So much so that. I will go to my grave saying that I think it's the better kart racer to Mario Kart 64, even though I absolutely adore Mario Kart 64. I'm not saying it's not a good game. I'm just huge fan of Diddy Kong Racing. Um, I'm not saying it's horrible, but no, it's, it's, it's just all right. Yeah. No, I, was, I got to thinking, you know, obviously Microsoft owns the rights to Rare, but they recently 
budged a little bit and allowed Banjo-Kazooie to be in Super Smash Brothers. So my pipe dream of a game crossover that would never happen, it, there's literally no possibility in my lifetime that this could possibly happen, but these are hypotheticals. So, uh, hypotheticals, right? Hypotheticals. I got what? hypotheticals on the mind. Hypotheticals. Yeah, hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, so I got to thinking, what if Nintendo and Microsoft partnered together to make a new Diddy Kong Racing for both the Switch and Xbox One Series X? So I'm talking the whole original crew from Diddy Kong Racing, your Diddy's, Banjo, Conker, Pipsy, Timber, all of them. But also not only borrow from like rare franchises, like I want characters from Jet Force Gemini, Joanna Dark from Perfect Dark. I mean, hell, throw in the Pinata character from Viva Pinata. I don't care. Any rare franchise yeah. is fair game here. But then the icing on the cake would be to also bring in like Xbox exclusive characters, but like only enough for the game to still somewhat retain its kid-like aesthetic. So like have Master Chief... Ori from Ori in the Blind Forest, the main dude from Sunset Overdrive. I mean, I'm not as well-versed in Microsoft's Xbox-exclusive properties, but I think it would be amazing to have this mashup kart racing game similar to like Sega and Sonic All-Star Racing, but just have the entire catalog of Nintendo, Rare, and Xbox characters in one racing game. You'd still retain the hoverboats, the planes, and the cars. You'd be racing in some of Halo's most memorable environments and then clash that with some of the most memorable Donkey Kong Country levels from like the first three games. I just think it would be like the ultimate kart racer game. I don't know. But I'm also just a huge fan of the original. But I think that would just be an awesome crossover. That or get a... I would love to see another PlayStation All-Star Battle Royale. It wasn't as well done as Smash. Um, It wasn't as uh, polished. But getting to fight like Kratos or um, versus like Nathan Drake or the guy... We just mentioned it. The one where you can pick light or dark with the electricity. Uh, Infamous, yeah, Cole. Yeah, Infamous. Um, Playing that... um, Ratchet and Clank, like getting to fight with either all Xbox characters or all Sony characters in a similar style to how Smash does it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's other Battle Royale games besides Smash. Um, Smash is obviously in a league of its own, but I would love to see more games like that. I mean, being able to pick up um, a game and use a chainsaw, um, that chainsaw gun. And then verse like Master Chief, yeah. like that kind of like those crazy mashups would be a ton of fun. Like yeah, just imagine the stages. Like yeah. have like you know how on some of the Smash stages you have like random enemies in there. Like one of the thing was like that giant pink monster that can eat you. Mm-hmm. Imagine having the flood in a Halo stage that randomly comes in. Yeah, in a battle royale. I would love it. Yeah, no, that was um... that'd be a ton of fun. I, I I felt like that just needed a few, not even f- few more f- months of development, but I just think they needed. I don't know what they needed, but I would love them to 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 give that uh, series another shot in PlayStation Battle Royale because they have so many more f- franchises. We've talked about this before 
Um, but yeah, you'd have your Aloys from Horizon. You could even have the Bloodborne yeah. Hunter now. And uh, Joel, Ellie, I don't know. I mean, it's just there's there's the new so new God of War, new Kratos. Yeah, and then have uh, what's his, his son's name? Uh, Leviathan. He was in the original, like his um, with the Blades of Chaos, but like updating him to have uh, Blades of Chaos and the Leviathan would be cool. Yeah, uh, there's so much. Opportunity I mean, imagine there. a down B where his son comes out and shoots an arrow. Yeah, be sweet. Like similar to like a Blythe or a um, like a Zelda or a Link. Yeah, no, I'd love that. I mean, I I think the the first one had so much opportunity, but. Um, I don't know. Remains to be seen. Maybe that'll be a PlayStation 5 launch title. Who knows? Oh, I'd love it. Thank you for the question, Nick. Very much appreciated. We move on to Josh of the Frantic Thoughts podcast. Please check him out on all your podcasting platforms. He says, thanks for donating money to a good cause. That rocks. If you had one day left to live and could only play one video game, Ryan, what would it be? He says, question might be a little grim, but it is an interesting one. Love the show. Stay safe. Josh a.k.a. Frantic. Now, Ryan, before you answer... Ocarina of Time. Oh, get out of here. Come on now. You can't crap <laughs> yeah. on one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, what if we split this before question... Before I answer, what? Yeah, so I was going to say, what if we split this... I'm like, I'm like thinking as we go here. What if we split this like okay. three ways? It's a struggle. Yeah, so... Okay. So he says, uh, what would be one game we could play... What was it, the question? Before we die... Uh, if you had one day yeah. left to live yeah. and could only play one video game, what would it be? Okay, so let's let's split this into three possible answers. So one, Ryan, we have to pick a game that's already come out. It already mm. exists, okay. but on our deathbed, we could play it again for the first time as if we've never played it before, but our same sense of anticipation would be there. That's game. Okay. One. That's that's scenario one. Scenario, scenario two... Um, a game that we know is on the horizon. So it could be the Elden Ring, something that's going to be coming out. We know it's in development, but we get to play it the day before we die. That's scenario two. And then scenario three kind of overlaps with Nick's question about the Dream Crossover is just a game that has not been announced. We have no idea it's in development, but it's kind of our pipe dream game, whether it's a sequel to a... a a, a long debunked franchise or just reimagining a series, whatever it is. So three scenarios, one okay. game that already exists replaying for the first time and you're on your deathbed, Ryan, what oh. game would that be? I hate to have all my answers be in a similar genre. Um, I think one of the, fi- my favorite styles and like universes was bloodborne um, and exploring the Lovecraftian, dark, gothic style. Like, I love that architecture so much. Yeah. And then having the weird, like, discovery of what the hell's actually happening in this universe. Um, I would love to experience that again. Um, as far as, like, right now, I also, I'm loving Octopath music so much. Like, so I hate to have, like, a really dark pick right before I just kick the bucket. Yeah, um, but like having that music as well, I I love the retro style so much, and that music just makes me so happy. Yeah, <laughs> where no, Bloodborne is like people screaming and like trying to destroy you. Yeah, no, that's a, those um, are great picks for sure. Um, as far as games that I would love to play, yeah, I think Elden Ring. 
it's going to be an similar, like an open world where. Well, hold um, on. Let's let me answer the of, first question. The first scenario. Okay. Um. So first scenario game that I could replay for the first time. This is really hard. Um. I could probably guess this one. Well, you know, originally I was thinking Kingdom Hearts three because there was just so much build up and hype around that game's release for 15 years or 14 years, whatever it was that I, I honestly, I felt like it was going to be scenario three where it was just a pipe dream of a, of a game I never thought would exist until it did. And I just remember being in the old apartment, sitting down, Lauren snapping a photograph of me booting that game up for the first time. And the cinematic that plays with, um, Hikiro Tato's, uh, Skrillex mashup of, um, what the hell's the name of that song, Ryan? Oh God, I don't know. It's it's amazing though. Whatever the name of the song, someone will correct me in chat. But seeing that cinematic play out was just mesmerizing. It, it was it lived up to yeah. every fanboy dreams I ever could have had in a what I hope to have been the end of a trilogy of Kingdom Hearts games. But I digress. That series is going to continue and. In perpetuity, we're never going to see a fourth game. But that's one game that's just <laughs> is is just such a standout for me. But then going back to my childhood and playing the first one again is also a potential thing. But I don't know. Like I feel like also Skyrim when that came out in 2011, just getting lost in that world again for the first time. Like to your point about a game that w- what's really just going to make me feel so happy before my imminent death. <laughs> like you know, like how <laughs> how how can I counterbalance? that with with happiness so i also i'm also thinking about <laughs> yeah i'm just like your, your picture you're like on the edge of a cliff looking into the eternal darkness of or that void yeah and you're like hmm do i want to be like killed in bloodborne or do i want like kingdom hearts one where i'm on destiny like a remake of the island of yeah. destiny island i think uh I, I don't want to say, as you always say, the white bread answer. This would be, Kingdom Hearts would be Rusty's white bread answer. So I That's think, exactly what I was thinking. So I think I'm going to go the Three Shades of Dark Toast answer for Rusty and say ukulele oh. because I remember going into GameStop one day. I remember exactly what I bought. I was in the store. There was this female working there and she was like, what are you in the mood for? And I told her my gaming interests, 3D platformers, RPGs, things of that nature, and she's like, I have the perfect mix of games for you. She's like, there's this little game called Ukulele. It was made, she told me the whole story of its development. It was a Kickstarter. Some ex-Rare developers came over and wanted to make a game that did Banjo-Kazooie justice, if you will. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's right up my alley. Somehow, I wasn't following the development of that game when I was in college. Snagged that, and then she's like, also, did you ever play the original uh, Nino Kuni? And I said, no. And she's like, okay, well, there's a sequel called Revenant Kingdom that's getting reviewed relatively well. She kind of pitched the story to me. And I was like, it's an action RPG. Sounds good to me. And I went home with those two games. And just booting up ukulele for the first time and just hearing the orchestral score, not the orchestral score, but just the, 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 the soundtrack by Grant Kirkhope just tugged on all of my nostalgic heartstrings from growing up with Banjo-Kazooie. So... I would love to play a game that breathed new life into 3D platformers, but also catered to my love of what I enjoyed growing up on the N64 before I die. So yeah, ukulele would be it. That's my vote. Actually, I want to change my answer. 
Okay. Now that you're speaking of that. I would say I have to say Minecraft. Oh, okay. Um, because it was such a different game than any game. I mean, there's a lot of Qubit type games now, but um, I just remember getting uh, a text message from my friend at the time and saying basically like, hey, there's this game called Minecraft and you can build whatever you want. And like hopping into this cube world and being like, what the heck do I do? Like, am I, I really going to fist and punch some trees? So like you're making your first workbench and all of a sudden you're attacked by a skeleton or a creeper, this green poorly formed pig thing that explodes and like trying to survive in that first like, I mean, this is back right after Alpha when I originally played it. So you have that community of these YouTubers um, like Yogg's cast who kind of started the huge craze mm-hmm. or Captain Sparkles way back in the day, like now 10 years ago um, and getting to like just for the ma- amount of hours I've watched of Minecraft stuff. Um, but that community towards the very beginning when it just launched out of alpha was amazing. So like being able to re-experience that and then like setting up a server in my college <laughs> engineering lab like that kind of stuff was so much fun yeah and like getting that to experience that for like the first time i think would be way better than nice like a, a bloodborne no it's like that's an excellent pick absolutely okay so the second scenario you started talking about the game that we know is in development but you would love to experience before you die what what is that i think elden ring just because it's going to be so different but I'm not sure what I'd want to play. Like, I love the... Like, Horizon 2, I think you mentioned, would be a ton of fun. Um, I love that universe and lore so much. Um, I would also love to play God of War 5 mm-hmm. because of the end um, cutscene when you go back to Kratos' house after everything kind of unfolds. That, like, end credit scene i think leads into two more games that are going to be amazing yeah um and those are both white bread answers so i'll I'll probably have to think of some while you're answering but those universes are so well developed and interesting lore wise i would love to see the conclusion of those main character stories yeah no i i'm not going to say anything that's going to greatly surprise our listeners i think in terms of a game that's in development it's it's a game that's been delayed twice now, and it's the sequel to what's oh, become yeah. one of my favorite games of all time, and that's The Last of Us Part Two. I just, <laughs> I don't know if that's the end of, of Joel and Ellie's journey or not, but if it is, re- regardless of it, if it is or it isn't, I, I want to see where their stories go uh, in this next installment, just because of the events at the end of Last of Us 1, how that's going to affect the relationship between Joel and Ellie in the second one is is obviously very evident in the trailers that we've seen, and just the the chaotic situations that Ellie is going to force herself into because of what has happened, and and what's the story exposition that we've gotten in just the trailers. I just I cannot wait. Graphically, it looks freaking amazing. Some of the best graphics I've seen in video games to date. And Naughty Dog has such a great track history of outdoing themselves with each subsequent entry in their franchises. I mean, you look at Jack and Daxter, say what you will about where that series went, but something like Uncharted that just got better and better and better and just went out with its swan song in 
Uncharted 4. I just have nothing but high hopes for Last of Us Part 2. I just, I, I couldn't think of a better answer for me personally. So that, that has to be it. Yeah, no, I would definitely add that to my list um, of things that I'd want to play. Um, as much as I'd love to say Halo and see what actually happens and if oh, they go yeah. back to true form. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I mean, after, after 5 and I mean, even 4, I'm not sure I'm completely invested um, but I, I think that game's going to be amazing as well, especially on the new Xbox. Mm-hmm. Even though it has a weird name and looks odd, but yeah. yeah. So the third scenario here is uh, a pipe dream game. We know would just oh, dude. explode yeah, our minds in excitement if it would ever exist. Ryan, what is your uh, take on this one? This was my answer for one of the hypotheticals, but it was the Pokemon War. Um, an RPG based before the time that the Pokemon established gym challenge and government focused around that gym Mm -hmm. um, was kind of how they keep the population in check. It was the battle where all the fathers, most of them died, including ashes. Um, Lieutenant surge was there. It's just these giant large scale Pokemon battle. It'd have to be rated M because there's lots of death, but I would love to see the establishment of the two sides of the Pokemon War and then the forming of the first champion, um, how he stopped the war and the gym challenge being kind of pamphlet dropped as propaganda to form this established government to keep this North Korea style uh, government in check. Yeah, that would be insane. I mean, I think... I, I would love it. It's not going to happen because that's not a. It's not a dark universe. And you even look at the Netflix show that just uh, the movie, the remake of the first one. Um, they're going an even more childish route when it comes to the animation style. It looks almost like Dora the Explorer meets Pokemon now. But like, I would love a dark and gritty Pokemon game. That's like going into that. Where the hell did this Pokemon like? capturing animals and beating them to death or like having them blow fire at each other like just getting into that would be awesome yeah i would love a more mature take on pokemon absolutely will we ever see it probably not but we can at least hope right and that's what this question is all about so excellent answer for sure me i'll probably keep it pretty simple i mean i i guess i would tie it back to my nintendo cross rare cross microsoft kart racer game i think that would be amazing um my other ones my other uh examples are probably just games that would literally get me to buy the next xbox apart from the ones we see with every console the halos the gears of war the forzas i I want to see for rusty personally a reason to invest in this new console this new era of xbox and that would be reviving again perfect dark and and maybe don't even go like the the perfect dark zero route of the xbox 360 like remake the n64 perfect dark just so you can't fudge it up like you did with zero just remake what was already such a phenomenal game with the online multiplayer aspect of the original and even keeping side by side couch co-op with the ai bots I, I, I kid you not, 
Xbox Series X, if that game would launch with the console and it was 500, 600 bucks, man, I'd be selling stuff out the wazoo to convince Lauren to allow me to buy that day one. I kid you not. That would be a huge system seller to me. Just remaking the original Perfect Dark or just taking Joanna Dark's story in an interesting new direction. I'm all for that. Uh, The next game that would make me buy an Xbox, if, if it was made very similarly... Peter Molyneux is such a whack job with what he's created um, post-Fable 3, but if he created a Fable game in the vein of 2 and 3, that's another game that would really probably put me over the edge to consider buying an Xbox. So those are my pipe dream games, which probably aren't too out of the realm of possibility, you know, taking all things into consideration. But um, we haven't heard, I mean, they've been long dormant, and we haven't heard any rumors circulating about those. Uh, another one would probably just be Knights of the Old Republic three. I think that would just be amazing. Oh god, that would be amazing. I think they have it. They had one. Was it Knights of the Old Republic? No, they had a Battlefront three almost done. Yeah, that was pretty much ready to go out the door. I think there was yeah. some a lot of bugs that needed to be fixed and stuff like that, play testing. But beyond that, um, yeah, there Knights was of the a Old follow. Republic would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. So those are my answers for sure. Come but on, uh, EA. Yeah. This. I really need a game that'll convince me or persuade me to buy either Xbox or PS5. Like, I I don't really have a reason yet to care um, whether those consoles are released or not because everything seems to be backwards compatible. And, like, I'm so used to loading screens at this point, I don't really care if it's, like, three seconds versus, like, ten seconds. Like, it doesn't really matter. It allows me to... I think you referenced it, like, go get a drink of water or do a quick bathroom break. Exactly. I'm on a loading screen. I'm like, I, what do I not, like, pee for six hours? Like, I need those. Like, I don't want to pause my game. I, I want to sprint through my apartment, tearing things off the wall so I can pee real quick and get back to my game before it's done. But, like, right now, there's no real incentive. And I think a game, like a new IP or an old IP... Like you were saying, I mean, Horizon was such a, like a lob um, or just like a Hail Mary of a new IP. They basically just went in with a bunch of ideas and they picked the weirdest one um, or the craziest one. And something like that, that really kind of throws a grenade into the kind of formula that we currently have with a lot of those games that they're producing. I think that's what we want to see. Yeah. Speaking of that, I don't want to go into this too much, but um, I was actually, before a YouTube video, you know how there's obviously advertisements, and then you can skip ad after so many seconds. There's one ad that I actually haven't skipped before, um, and that was this guy pitching some book of his. I don't know what it was, but he had talked with Steven Tyler of Aerosmith fame, obviously, and Steven Tyler with Aerosmith, when they were recording music, they would, every week they would, each band member had to come up with 10 song ideas and they had to throw away the nine good ones and come with the wackiest one. The one they personally thought was just absolutely bananas. No one would ever want to hear a song like this. And it's where songs like Dude Looks Like a Lady came from (laughs) because they were song ideas that that's that's really interesting that Joe Perry or or Steven whoever whatever band member it was came to the table they were just like 
yeah, for whatever reason, I'm just thinking of like, dude looks like a lady. Like, can you imagine like, and then they just wrote the lyrics dude to looks it. like a lady. And it's one of the catchiest songs. See, I don't yeah. even have to explain like, oh, Ryan, you know that song. You're just like, yeah, I know the beat. I know the song. I know the lyrics. Let's go. So I don't know. I, I just, that kind of sparked my mind. No rhyme or reason why I brought it up. It's just, I think it's interesting to um, not always sleep on the ideas, whether it's video game development or otherwise, um, pitching the things that may seem crazy in your mind, but someone else can build upon it later on. I think it's really yeah, interesting. But um, for sure. thank you for the question, Josh. You didn't say a whole lot. And Ryan went and I went on for, for, for so long. So thank you for uh, <laughs> inspiring us there yeah. with that question. Good stuff. Nolan, friend of the show, was on the last episode, records the Young Nostalgia podcast with his co-host Ben. Check them out on all podcasting platforms. Really good guy. He says, hey there, gents. Thanks again for having me on a while ago. Such a blast and can't wait to talk again. What you guys are doing is amazing and a great idea, so thank you. My question, what's that one song you know all the words to and no matter what, crank up to 11 in the car and jam and won't leave the car till it's over? He said, mine is Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. My dad and I would always roll down the windows, break out those air guitars, and sing horribly, but no shame whatsoever. Keep on rocking, friends. That's a great question. That is a really good one. I have like a laundry list of songs that I could potentially oh, sure you do. go to. I mean, so I, um, I actually created a playlist uh, earlier in the year of and I build upon it and every time I find a song that I, sh- I think should be on here I throw it on this playlist it's called my 2020 playlist on Spotify and I just add the songs that are go-to staples of mine that I always listen to consistently and then newer ones that I stumble upon but like some of my go-to's are as one would expect if you spent any amount of time with me are co- older Coldplay songs so like Yellow is a really big one but I prefer the live version actually i think it's better because chris martin does a little piano intro to the song before he breaks out his acoustic guitar and you have the drums and the electric guitar just bang in that opener uh politic is another really good one because it just opens up super super heavy all instrumentals are just completely banging uh, i don't know ryan before, i'm going through this playlist now what are some of yours i'm trying to think of the name of the song um What's the name of the song that we were jamming out to? I think it was after the Taylor Swift concert. Smash Mouth. Shrek. Yeah, All Star. Yeah. Well, so that was one of them I always jam out to. That was like one of the worst days too, because my sister was like lighting up my phone for whatever reason. She kept calling me. She was drunk. She was trying to find out something that I didn't know the answer to. So I was really pissed off. Someone had to pee. Matt had to pee. Matt had to pee like every five seconds because he drank like two beers and he broke the seal. So we had to stop at some really sketchy dry, uh, a gas station. And no, no, no. I thought I think we peed. Oh, we yeah, we stopped at a gas station. And we, he got like a no go. Yeah, they like, said hey, no unless you're buying something or whatever. You can't go in there. So he walked out, and then we literally pulled over into some random parking lot. He ran behind a building and took a piss. <laughs> And then there was just so many things going on and my iPhone was connected to my car and it was going through my music on my iTunes and I was livid because traffic was horrible. We left the Taylor Swift concert and I I was just so frustrated to no end. And then Smash Mouth's All-Star starts playing and the volume was super low, 
But then it came on, yeah. and everyone like simultaneously erupted with like, "Oh yeah, crank that!" And we like just jacked up the volume, and just were driving probably way too fast listening to Smash Mouth's All Star. It was. I think we were like jamming out in like a Myers parking lot because I think we went to Myers for something. Walmart, yeah, we got like uh, beers and pizza and just a bunch yeah. of junk food. That was yeah, that was, was good, good times. times, yeah, for sure. Um, Anything the other ones are generally like techno? early two thousands rap. Oh yeah, those are good like, too. Freakily get low, mm-hmm. uh, walk it out. <laughs> like, like <laughs> dating me and how old I am, but like, I where were we coming from? That like we I was playing that music. It was, was Alex's concert? birthday. Alex's birthday party it was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah, yeah we were driving home and. Well, because we're not downtown people, and it's just such an odd scene for us. And so, right when we get in this, the car, the first song I, of course, play is Seal's Kiss by a Rose. <laughs> yep. Because that's, like, the perfect song to just kick kickstart your night with, right? Yeah, because you're, like, 50. That's right. And yeah. Or Kiss <laughs> and from a Rose. Like, it's a, and then I think I played uh, Shape of Your Heart by uh, Sting. Mm-hmm, Yeah. And then we went into like Freak a Leak and my playlist of like early two thousands uh, rap. Yeah, and it was a good time. It was good times. I'm also one of those people that like Twister, when Twister. That was another one. Oh yeah, that was a good one. How could you forget? Um, yeah, Hurricane. Uh, you gonna keep going? That's what it was. It wasn't Twister. Sorry, okay. it was Hurricane. It was a different weather. <laughs> um, go ahead. I'm done. But uh. Yeah, I'm one of those people that when I find a song that I'm really into, I kind of just like burn myself out listening to the same song like on repeat nonstop until yeah. like I'm just sick of it. And right now that song has been The Daily Mail by Radiohead. Um, I'm a huge fan of Radiohead, wow. but uh, this song was previously unreleased, came out in like 2011 and basically just takes a hot steamy crap on The Daily Mail, the uh, the English newspaper publication that's just... They're just animals, if you will. Um, and Tom York, the the lyricist and lead singer for uh, Radiohead, he he kind of he has a very interesting writing style, and it almost doesn't even come across as clear in the song unless he's just very poetic. But the Daily Mail is a great song. It actually plays at the end of one of the Ozark episodes in one of the later seasons, and that's how I found it actually. So. That's my recent go-to. That's a fun question, though. I'd be curious if other people are listening. Right in the Discord, like, what are some of your go-to windows down jamming out songs? That's that's a fun one. And then yeah, Ryan, I mean, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I I don't know the lyrics to these, but Vice Tone is a uh, a really good techno station that like remixes a lot of the popular songs from today and just across the board. But Vice Tone's a really good like jam out windows down sunroof back nice um it's i would say hard it's more house um than like hard style but it's it's really well done so good stuff i'm trying to look through my music uh playlist okay well if anything else comes up pop in on the discord anything moana (laughs) yeah really (laughs) moana's great soundtrack um we got one more question here it's uh from your sister, actually, my wife. And oh, God. Right. she writes in and says, Hi, guys. 
if you aren't sick of spending 24-7 with me already, I am, it's okay, but we press on. She said, I decided to invade your podcast and ask a few questions. Question number one, <laughs> uh, what are you most excited for once we are out of quarantine? I would say physical activity. Um, I'm really missing tennis. Um, mm. That sounds like, it sounds really fun. I was watching videos of, I don't know how I got on the topic, but like Michael Phelps. And then it kind of morphed into Roger Federer highlights um, and just kind of going through like old Wimbledons. Um, it just sounds like a lot of fun to go out and play tennis. Um, I Golf sounds really fun. I suck at golf. We, I've, I play like once a year, but that would be great. That sounds really good. Or even like going on a hike. Just yeah. anything outside that I can't do currently. Yeah, I think outdoor outdoorsy things is definitely top of my list. Also, just seeing my family. I haven't seen my mom since Christmas. I haven't seen my dad in over a month. I think just seeing them, spending time with them in, in really any fashion is highly desired right now. Uh, just yeah. seeing other friends and family, too, um, is just top of my list. Uh, bar food? Like, I just want chicken wings so badly right now. Uh, our local right? establishment has some of the best... Just bar food. I mean, chicken wings, French fries, like you name it. Their pizza is just phenomenal. Like, I just want some of that stuff so badly right now. Um, and just local mom and pop sh shops, like, just I think they offer something that you know the the Amazons and the the WalMarts of the world can't. And yeah, I, I miss small businesses for sure, especially the ones that I've supported most over the years so yeah i, I think that's kind of how i would answer sure. that question um number two this is this is an interesting one i wish she had prepped me with this one beforehand um most memorable moment of quarantine so far do you have one ryan oh gosh um can you come back to me i'm trying yeah, to think it's I, all been very similar I think I'll probably just spew off a few examples here. Um, so okay. recently, uh, we have a dog, obviously, Scooby, and he can be kind of crazy at times. He can also be super chill at other times, but um, he's not consistently chill. So Lauren ordered on Amazon these hemp treats for dogs, and we gave him, based on his weight and size, it's recommended that he gives, or we give him two. So we gave him two, like last weekend when we, first got them in the mail and man he just like stoned out of his mind like he was just a vegetable just like sitting on Lauren's face like or Lauren's uh leg like I have a photograph that I took while we were both sitting on the couch with him and his face is just like mushed up against her leg and he's just staring at me like why did you guys do this to me um that's that was funny just because as dog owners we just I don't know. It's just fun seeing your dog like that for sure. Um, one of the other memorable moments was just getting my record player hooked up uh, to the speakers. Finally hearing a record in its most purest of form because previously Lauren and I had these records where the speakers were built into the record, which the sound quality is just quite literally embarrassing compared to what you're getting out of the speakers that that you guys, you know, purchased a couple years back. Um, so just yeah. kind of going through some of my records, like I threw in Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, um, 
Led Zeppelin, Beck, Jack Johnson, Coldplay, just some of my favorite artists, just playing some of those records has just been so relaxing and just um, finally getting a record player that can play records the way they were intended has just been awesome. Um, I don't know, another one is just showing Lauren Firefly. I always like introducing people to that show that haven't seen it previously because it is so great, so another plug for that, try and you should honestly just buy it. It's 14 episodes. I don't think it's streaming on anything currently, but it's well worth it. But I don't know. Have you thought of anything at this point, Ryan? Yeah, it'd probably just be last weekend. Um, just actually seeing people. <laughs> yeah. Like seeing someone else besides myself in the mirror um, <laughs> and just eating a bunch of junk food with Rick. Um, we had canes, which I never eat um, because where he's from, they don't have canes. So getting some canes, getting some Lynn's walk, um, some pizza, and just chilling. Yeah. And catching up. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Uh, Question number three here she has from us. She said, have you spontaneously ordered anything during this time at home? Maybe dog food and prep for adopting a dog? (laughs) Luckily, I don't have anything to order. Like, I don't have an Amazon. Or an eBay account, which is kind of on purpose. What a sad existence. No, it's good because how often do you order stuff on Amazon, Rusty? (laughs) Oh, I just randomly got three games last night. (laughs) Yeah, it varies. Two to three times per day usually, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I haven't ordered anything. I mean, I generally physically get stuff. So like I just bought $120 worth of games last weekend. Yeah. Um. I'm probably going to have to – I might look in dr- to get drivers. I need a driver. I don't have one for my uh, golf clubs. So, But that's more of an in-person thing. Okay. Okay. Um, what about you? I'm sure there's a laundry list. Yeah. I mean I haven't been like terrible necessarily, um, but – I have ordered a few things, the first of which we spoke about earlier in the episode, which was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, that was largely because I had the Amazon credit, and I was just pushed over the edge with the hype of of Pete streaming it, and I didn't watch any of his streams because I just, obviously I didn't want anything spoiled for me. I only saw like the initial trailers, I didn't play the demo, so I really wanted to go into that blind, and I'm, I'm just thankful that I had the Amazon credit to get the price down to a reasonable level where I was willing to buy in. So that's been a good uh, spontaneous purchase, if you will. The other one, um, I was just feeling very nostalgic. Uh, as I was talking about earlier about Blink's question, where I'd go over to my gaming shelf and kind of thumb through some of my PS1, 2 games. I saw Rugrats Search, Search for Reptar, which was just a game that my, my sister and I absolutely adored growing up. It's just this little adventure game where you play as the Rugrats, running around Tommy's house, solving puzzles, going on random little quests, and it also had this amazing little mini golf, uh, uh, mini game, uh, in addition to the base story game, Uh, and so I was going through eBay to see if there was um, a collection of the Rugrats DVDs that I could potentially get for, for inexpensive, and I found the first four seasons for like, I don't know, it was 20 or 30 bucks. And so I, I ordered that and I've been watching some of the Rugrats recently because it's one of my favorite cartoons growing up. And it just, again, just reminiscing about simpler times because that's 
That's what I've been doing a lot of over this quarantine shutdown because that just helps me stay sane. So that's that's another thing. And then the final one um, was a record that I'd just been really anticipating, or not anticipating, but wanting to get. Um, Beck, I, I listen to him quite a bit, and one of my favorite albums of his is Sea Change. Um, it's C as in S-E-A, um, and it's a record that he actually wrote, uh, a week after he broke up with his, his girlfriend, uh, of a long time, he spent the whole week just writing the record and it's, I don't know, maybe 10, 10, 12 ish songs. And it's just very melancholy, very sad because the lyrics are largely based on the relationship that he just ended. Um, but I tend to gravitate towards very somber, sad music just because I don't know. I just, I don't know. Sad music makes me feel good. If that <laughs> makes sense, it's very weird how that how that works out. But I just think it's a. Beautiful... I like the pain of others. Yeah, I I think it's just a beautiful record. So I ordered that, and I've yeah. been listening to that quite a bit. And um, I think that's about it. I haven't been terrible. I honestly, I've just been I think ordering a lot of DoorDash. Lauren and I have been, whether it's Chipotle or Noodles or. Lauren gets the uh, the itch for a burger every now and again, so I'll order her a burger from uh, BJ's Brew House. Um, yeah, that's kind of been where my, my spontaneous purchases have been coming from, I guess. Nice. So, but that's a wrap, Ryan. That's uh, those are all the questions. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. I want to make sure I give another shout out to everyone. Steve, Blink, Blinkum. Thank you so much for the questions. Nick, Frantic, Josh, Nolan, and uh, Lauren. My wife, your sister. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. As I said earlier, uh, even though we had um, originally, initially, I can't talk. It's been two and a half hours. Ryan and I initially yeah. said that we were going to give $5 for every email we received. We're actually going to quadruple the $25 we should be giving out to Feeding America. We're going to donate 100 bucks to Feeding America to help those that don't have the ability to provide for their families. Um, hopefully get them some warm meals. We want to just thank everyone for writing in, but also everyone that listens and continues to support the show. Share it with their friends and family. You know, if you have a few minutes, I know everyone's got to be super busy right now, hold up in their homes. Maybe consider popping over to iTunes, giving us five stars or however many stars you think this podcast warrants, writing us a quick review about your thoughts about the show. Help us get the show to other people. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to write into the show like those fine people did today, Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love for you to send in some questions, an audio question, or just a suggestion for a topic for Ryan and I to cover in the future. We would very much appreciate all of that. You can also hop in the Discord. Link is in the show notes below. Lots of fun discussions going in on there. People sharing memes, YouTube videos, whatever it is to help us laugh and continue to stay sane in the uh, the world we live in right now. Ryan, you have any parting words for the listeners today? Yeah, just uh, I guess have a good week, stay healthy. Uh, I don't know. It's the sun is starting to come out because it's the end of winter kind of month. So just invo- enjoy that vitamin D and uh, look forward to uh, the summer. Absolutely, and more positive times. Thank you everyone yeah. for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week. See you.